tell you something. I'm Star-Lord. I formed the Guardians. Met a girl, fell in love. That girl died, but then she came back. Came back a total dick. Oh, please. He left out some important information, but that is the gist of it. My sacred mission is to create the perfect society. He didn't want to make things perfect. He just hated things the way they are. I want you all to know that I am grateful to fight beside my friends. Incinerate them. <laughs> we were always searching for a family until we found each other. Are you ready for one last ride? Welcome back to the Couch Command. I'll be your host today. My name is Keith Justice Hayward. Uh, you can find us on popgeeks.com. You're listening to the Couch Command podcast. With me today, I have MJ. Hey, thanks for thanks for having me back. And on, and also from Lobster Magnet Reviews, I have Isaac. Hey, uh, excited to talk about the Guardians. Rock on! And his first time on the podcast. But we could not have been we could not have made onto YouTube without him. Uh, my Padawan, the Squire, the one we call Kid Mystery. I go by a lot of different names, Keith, but Kid <laughs> Mystery is the one I'm going to settle on for this uh, episode. Right on, man. Good to have you on. Um, real quickly, uh, can you tell us like what is your geek world like? What you been what uh, like? We don't go too long on what you've been geeking on, but so that the audience can know who you are what's your geekness like what's your main thing i've been i've been in a lot of things keith but uh right now i've just been obsessed with one piece Ooh, yeah boy it's going okay you don't know because like right i know like keith you watch like the anime and you I'm are exclusive uh, exclusive to the anime but i've read uh i'm reading like the manga mm-hmm. and more specifically the newer chapters and oh <laughs> oh my god, it's getting so good. It's actually just peak One Piece now. Even better than so, so, the greatness so, I'm already in. I would say so. It is like I'd say like everything is getting like like all the points you uh have in like your current arc that you're on, Keith, mm-hmm. it's getting addressed. All the little loose ends and all that. Oh my gosh. And everything yeah, uh, it's I it's so hard not to spoil it, but like it is such a good, it's just so good. With how so, so I take yeah, it, are, are you caught up on the uh, all the egghead stuff in the uh, final final arc, uh, final saga? Oh yeah, I'm at the latest chapter. I'm waiting for the spoilers for the next chapter, which should be up, up around <laughs> Monday. 
So <laughs> I it's, it's just listen, I'm I don't I didn't expect me to get so into One Piece, but dang, I'm into it now. <laughs> uh, uh, so this how many is like yeah. The, the the I think I told you a few podcasts to go, Keith. That like the the the, the final arc. I'm glad to hear you're enjoying Wano. I have a little bit mixed feelings, but um, yeah. The the final saga has just been delivering in all fronts. It's all the shit you want to see, and then some. It, it, it is just Oda's fronts. been on a roll, just knocking out ten out of ten chapters. Uh, oh my god, yeah, this shit is uh crazy. It's like uh finally we're not getting inundated with like five bajillion characters. Uh, we're seeing all the people. We want to see doing shit. No, right. no more fucking red scabbards or the the yakuza or, or the, all the bajillion side characters in Wano. It's the good shit. Because I'll say, like, yeah, I'm I'm currently in Wano. To its great credit, like there's been like a thousand boss fights and they're still go- going. And to like once again, to their credit, I'm having a great time. Like, um, I feel like I should have seen Zoro beat this pterodactyl guy. Uh, at least three years ago, but um, every episode, <laughs> I'm still kind of like, wow, wow, and that they can, that Oda can continue to escalate this and make it better and still keep people happy is just. I, I, I've said this before. I think this is. I went, I'm gonna go for it as far as say I'm gonna say it. I think it's like the new Iliad. Like all of humanity should pay attention to this longer form of storytelling and how high quality it stayed. Like. Across like any format, who's been able to manage to do this? How long has oh, One Piece been running now? Twenty five nineties, right? It, it started the, the manga started publishing in nineteen ninety seven. So whoa, oh yeah. And how much of a lag is there between the manga and the anime at this point? Uh, it, that's a really good question. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Like what you guys are seeing right now. How many years until I see this? Um, okay, well, 40, there's 40 chapters. It depends on how, uh, like, uh, r- right now they're they're, they're kind of stretching thing, the, the conclusion of Wano out just so they can, like, uh, I assume have more of a um, bridge to the next arc. But it's, I don't know, maybe a year, year and a half. All right, Keith. Once July comes, we're gonna have, we're gonna have to talk. We're gonna have to do it. We're gonna have to talk <laughs> because something's coming, man. July. Oh! We're, gonna, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk. Yeah, you and me. Yeah. So should July. I'm not saying anything. It's going to okay, okay. But oh, yeah, gonna okay. maybe peak. it's going to get peak July. I know uh, me, I, you, Isaac, and Void are all into One Piece, so maybe we'll have a One Piece podcast. Oh yeah, <laughs> when 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 the big the big event happens is that is that when the estimate is? Uh, yeah, I think the it's. Big thing? I think it's like July or August. At this point, it's getting like real close, like real real yeah. close. Oh, they, they they better pull out the Megumi Ishitani card for that one. I, I hope she directs that episode. Um, it, it's like a huge break the internet moment that I cannot wait to see animated. Oh my god! In One Piece, it's like yeah, yeah. Some, it's coming, shit's yeah. about to happen Very soon. Uh, how shit's huge things happen is, as how huge of things happen in One Piece and how passionate the fandom is. It's amazing. I've never been spoiled once, not even like a little bit. <laughs> I so, guess you're just not you're, you're staying in the right places because uh, spoilers are everywhere. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, yeah, good. it was like everywhere in the subreddit when it came out. Oh my god, you could not escape that from the spoilers. If the algorithm is listening to me, please keep it this way. You're doing great, algorithm. <laughs> I, I went to a con and and there was a guy walking around cosplaying as the spoiler. <laughs> oh, whoa! Kick ass. <laughs> 
Yeah, so no, mm-hmm. that's like two months away. Looking forward to it. All oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, oh, anything else you guys want to say about nerding and uh, One Piece? Uh, just that, the, you know, Keith, you better get excited. I'll give you one very minor spoiler. Um, but um, the next big arc is sci fi themed. Oh, shit. Oh, it's sci fi themed. Whoa. I have a hard time imagining science fiction in one piece uh, oh my god motherfucker oh. Uh, i can't spoil i could uh, you've been seeing you've been seeing uh, uh did you forget the, the the cyborg that destroyed the straw bats at the uh, shambody archipelago you've been yeah. seeing science fiction yeah like they, they always make it seem like yeah like uh, I, I'm, I'm always seeing it as like a final fantasy kind of, of science fiction which still looks like fantasy to me but yeah i guess like yeah, where did he get cyborg technology? Don't tell anyone. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, right, Isaac, right. Isaac, he right. doesn't know. He doesn't oh know, Isaac. God. He doesn't know about the big secret th- oh about that God. sci-fi. I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait. All right. Well, he, he, um, you should mm-hmm. know, because the thing where it all comes from has been alluded to forever. I'll just say we got that thing if you forgot. what, it, what, what They've talked about it before. Punk Hazard? You're, you're so fucking close. You're so yeah. goddamn close. Oh, my God. Very much looking forward to this. Very much looking forward to it. Uh, MJ, I hope our excitement is infectious and that you give it a try. You know, between One Piece and Stargate I'm and Three-Body <laughs> three Problem, I'm so far behind the <laughs> okay. curve right now. Gotcha, I'm trying. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, let's, uh, because uh, Kid Mystery has a time limit here. He's going to prom. So, whoop, whoop. Yeah, man. I hope you have a good time. So let's get into uh, Guardians Galaxy three. Um, to now, start, I believe the proper lead in is, "Hey, a holes, let's talk Guardians." <laughs> right on. Okay. <laughs> um, let's talk about like all of our backgrounds with Guardians of the Galaxy League into it. Uh, mine started with uh, I was I was just trying to I was in a moment in time where I was like I just wanted kind of was hungry for a little um, Marvel comic book action again. So I started picking up. The Annihilation series, where people are saying like uh, Marvel's getting all kinds of like intergalactic and whatnot, and I have to admit I wasn't a fan. I did not have a good time in that saga, except for this one arc with Super Scroll, which was fantastic. Um, and then like there's the Rise of the Guardians of the Galaxy in there, and I was like, all right, who are these guys? Uh, sounds like my kind of team. And the structure of them was, but once again, like the stories were just like, ah, God, let me. Do you always have to fight galactic threats every day? Like it, it kind of trivializes it, and the the the, the structure of the team was off, and their costumes were ugly as hell because their costumes back then are what they're dressing as now. Um, and except uh, for, I'm surprised yeah. you hated. That. I thought you would have loved those uh, those tr- old school Guardians gal- costumes. Um, they look like uh, German soldier SS uniforms, and like, <laughs> uh, and like. Star Lord even has like a hell. It had a uh, uh, so his helmet back then even looked like that. Like when they updated him, they got rid of the helmet part, which was cool. And then he turned him into basically John Crichton from Farscape. And then I was like, oh, okay. It's like it's like J- uh, James Gunn knew exactly what I wanted. He took that what that which which was in the comic book and just chiseled it away until it was down to Farscape. And I was like, okay, I'm, 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 now I'm in. I'm looking at it, and uh, you're, you're kind of right. It, it is uh, kind of Hitler, the old... Um, yes! 
uh, it was a little SS. Um, I don't know. The, the reason why I'm a little affectionate towards the old Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. is, is um, uh, and by old I you mean I, this version of them, not the '80s version. Well, well, uh, I'm talking about like the version that you'd seen, like I don't know, the Spider-Man cartoon, the Earth's right. Mightiest Heroes, Avengers. Uh, yeah, which to me is like the pre because there's Guardians pre James Gunn, and then there's James Gunn Guardian because th- that's my biggest problem um, with the Guardians of the Galaxy is how everyone who handled them after James Gunn just tried to ape James Gunn yeah. style. And oh yeah, it dude. Always felt- <laughs> Like you yeah, know, that the, happens the, with every ca- character that hits big on the big screen, like uh, yeah. the, rena- yeah, the yeah. renaissance of Joker in DC Comics after Heath Ledger's Joker in The Dark Knight. I mean, everything in DC followed that, or and followed then, Heath Ledger's Joker after that. And until so RDJ, and until RDJ, I don't remember Iron Man that being that big a deal, at least while I was reading uh, Marvel comics. Do you remember You're, the yeah. uh, uh, they? Uh, they specifically changed like the guns on like Star Lord in the comics. Like yes. it was like very specifically a specialized gun in the comics before James Gunn, and then like after James Gunn in the comics, like they made it so that like he just had two of them because the movie had two of them. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, hmm? MJ, you were a hundred percent right. This happens all the time. That still doesn't mean I still don't think it's like a sellout kind of thing. Oh, or, I agree. Or... I agree. That's, that's a little <laughs> bit overcommitting to the mainstream persona of the character at that point I mean keep it I mean, keep it consistent to the medium that it was before you don't have to let one medium overly influence the other especially because like everyone who did like imitation of like james gunn star lord had always kind of sucked like uh what you call the telltale guardian felt like discount james gunn the the video game from square enix guardians felt like discount james gunn um uh, you know it's great that that you've got like new emphasis on all these characters but uh you know i'd like to be like uh oh well here are these cool things that inspired it versus just doing like a discounted shitty version of uh, what we <laughs> thousand times but yes because like when i when i saw like when he, when he first hit like i was very excited and happy because this is like it, it like it, like i said james gunn was like reading my mind this is exactly but i was like I, this is what i wanted from star wars um this is um and uh my heart's been broken ever since the cancellation of farscape and he's like i'm bringing it back Heath. i'm doing all of it we're doing everything and then when um I heard there's going to be a cartoon series of Guardians of the Galaxy. I was like, yeah, boy. And like the whack impersonation of what they think cool looks like. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember watching that as a, like a kid, like growing uh-huh. up. And I was like, it was like my least favorite show. Was, oh, uh-huh. oh, like the 2011, like Marvel shows. It was like the one like, oh, Guardians. Ugh. Ugh. See- ugh. And this is why I wanted to have you on. I you you actually have the the younger perspective of like the childhood of experiences as a kid. And I was kind of wondering because like as I was like almost puking, I was like, okay, well, well, I don't know. What if you're a little kid? Like maybe this is good for for you if your standards uh, yeah. are uh, oh, oh um, uh, more uh, new. Can I, can I hijack this for a second uh, just to take out a little tangent? So I, I'm yeah. really, really interested. So uh, obviously, you know, you're, you're like 18. So it's really interesting for me as like a 90s kid who's like, you know, I'm older like Keith. So when we grew up, we had like kind of like my Marvel animated universe that kind of got me into it was like the X-Men and the Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four and the Hulk. Uh, some of those shows haven't aged as well as the DCEU, but I have a lot of affection for the Spider-Man just because they like just ripped out the comics out of, you know, comic storylines whole 
wholesale. So I appreciated that getting kind of like these truncated versions of famous things like Venom, the Clone Saga, uh, Battle Earth, even if they weren't 100% comic book accurate. Um, and then you kind of got this whole growing up generation where they kind of like Marvel tried to do their own animated series of like, you know, they got rid of Earth's Mightiest Heroes and then they did like the Cartoon Avengers. They did the Guardians of the Galaxy. They did that Hulk show where Hulk does like reality TV show cutaways. Um, they had this whole like uh, cinematic universe, which was like MCU derivative. Did, did, did you enjoy that? Was that like kind of fun or did you feel like it was discounted? Like, like, like kind of like an off brand version of like the main MCU. Oh my God. Okay. So I grew up like with the 2011, like Spider-Man uh, stuff. That was like yeah. my jam. And then they came out, uh, then they came out with the Avengers, then they came out with Guardians, and then like a bunch of like the, the Hulk spin-off show with all his like wacky pals. But like in the beginning, right? It wasn't my favorite like kind of like uh cartoons when I was growing up. Like it wasn't like the thing like, oh, I wanna watch this when I'm in m- watching Disney XD. No, it, m- more of my jam was like uh like watching like Gravity Falls, for example, or like watching like Star vs. Force of Evil. But like Oh, when that, they came that's on. so interesting. So you liked kind of like the cow. That's super interesting. So you liked the kind of like the Cal Arts Revolution, which was basically like made by twenty something Tumblr guys who loved anime and probably grew up with like nineties cartoons that had more like serialized stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved like those like uh, more like connected like stories because like the like I don't know if like how how like everyone is experienced like with twenty eleven like Spider Man, but. It got wacky a lot of times. Like you, you don't, you don't know about the. I don't know if anyone knows about this, but like they had a cross. The Twilight of Inspirement had a crossover with this Disney reality TV show. Oh, I, no. I think it was like it was like a hotel, <laughs> like they're living in a hotel or something. The reality TV show, or uh, it was like the live action Disney, or whatever it's called. Like it, like your iCarly's and all that, but it was like one of those brand stuff. And they had this crossover with uh, uh, the Twilight of Inspirement. It was like so bizarre because like it. It was like Marvel Comics and reality, like live action Disney. And then they had this whole plot line with like MJ getting the red symbiote. And then, like, oh my gosh, it was like such a bizarre show. And it was obviously just like, at first, I don't think it was trying to imitate the MCU with the 2011 Spider Man. But eventually, it was just like, yeah, it was just MCU, like light. MCU light, essentially. So even for was- kids back then, that was not the main jet. You could tell that was kind of too wacky. And you just—it just, seemed like you gravitated toward the stuff that, like, my friends who were into cartoons still held as like high uh, caliber, like uh, Gravity Falls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was like basically like junk food for, uh, like, like yeah. to see when you're like bored or like uh, see when there's nothing else going on or new, no new episodes. Because like, I, yeah, I have a conspiracy. Yeah. Good. Oh, I, I have a conspiracy theory about the 2011 uh, uh, Spider-Man cartoon. I think that like uh, Marvel intentionally made it uh, kind of like I, I feel like it was a psyop so they could get control of Spider-Man back. Because like, well, think about it in the show. Like, typically Spider-Man the fantasies, he's all alone. He, he goes back to his Aunt May. Uh, mm-hmm. While this broke all of it, he's like being trained by Nick Fury. He aspires to be like Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America. <laughs> he looks up to all the heroes they still have control for so he's like in this submissive position and, and I feel like this was like Disney's subterfuge to saying like you know uh, all, all right uh, we still have the rights to make a Spider-Man cartoon we're gonna ruin you while you <laughs> fuck around with did that. you make a video that, about that, this that, <laughs> I did okay I did cool cool one. yeah because I got yeah I, <laughs> I saw it after you, you broke the code because like that was definitely like oh you like Spider-Man huh well 
then you're gonna like this over here. So yeah, and I, yeah, I, I think, okay, yeah. I feel like it worked because they ultimately kind of got Spider-Man back and they increased his cachet uh, by putting him in the MCU. But even still, he was always still kind of like a second string. You know, he he he's Iron Man's little buddy. He's Spider Boy, not Spider Man. Or with Kid Mystery here saying, "Did it work?" Because like it doesn't seem like you're too into it. Because yeah, like I I got I I started watching. I was like. Let's go, because like it was Paul Dini slapped on it, and I was like, "So Paul Dini, the guy who did Batman, is going to do Spider Man, and we're going to get to run the entire Marvel universe. This is going to be awesome." Uh, it couldn't last more than four episodes. I was just that them cutting away like Deadpool every oh, three yeah, seconds. Oh my god, the cutaways! God. And, like, and then like Spider Man had like his own like team of just like it was just uh, uh, what was the team called in the comics? Like with Luke Cage and uh, uh, Renting Iron Heroes. Pez. Heroes for Hire, I think. Heroes for Hire. Heroes for Hire. Heroes for Hire. It's just like a discount, like Heroes for Hire with White Tigress. I was like, yes. And then Spider Man was there for some reason. I don't know why. And then like uh, Nick Fury was just there also. I well, guess. Earth's Mightiest Heroes is fire as hell. That was a fantastic cartoon. They should have kept oh, that gosh. going. I love Earth Mice. I, I never saw it as a kid, but I watched it like when I uh, like. Uh, was older and had like access to like more streaming services. Mm-hmm. I, I've been like watching like all the like old stuff, like the nineties animated X Men. I've watched oh, yeah. like a lot of the nineties <laughs> Batman, a lot of the Superman the animated series. The uh, oh, but, like, so, so the- what do you what, what do you think? Uh, do you feel like that stuff was better? Or did you were just shoveled like this product garbage while you watched like you know the real innovators <laughs> of that era. <laughs> Hundred percent. Oh my god, that stuff is so much better. I'd rather have a million Ooh. Batman the animated series versus one Spider Man twenty eleven. I Holy have been wondering this for this for years. Like like is is what you see while you grow up the good version? But apparently when you have all of them side by side as you grow up, you the the first ones who were really good, they still stand the test of time. If you're talking about like comic book like uh, TV shows, like mm-hmm. we we really got the low end of stick because like Marvel was <laughs> Marvel was like uh, not paying attention to his TV side at all. DC had nothing ex- after the um, M- uh, animated like TV series. Like well, it was like, t- yep. DC did, did this weird thing where they kept on catering towards like older comic book fans by doing these like really oh. you know violent uh, direct to video things, which are oh, they're yeah, kind yeah, of fun yeah. on their own, but it's <laughs> you know it's, it's not the same as having like a cohesive TV show like uh, you know the Bruce Tim uh, animated universe. I hear yeah, the so upcoming like- Superman should be getting back to the even tone of being really good and like for adults and, and kids. Yeah, but yeah, like everybody, everybody's, everybody's glossing over the tragedy that was the late '90s live-action comic book TV shows. Which like, one of uh, those? Uh, Wait, the- Justice League, Generation X. Uh, oh man, Nick Fury with uh, <laughs> the- David Hasselhoff as Fury. <laughs> Generation X <laughs> or Mutant X? That was a that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, let's. Uh, this is fantastic. Let's get back on the track of Guardians. MJ, what's your background with Guardians? Uh, to be frankly honest, I never read a single one of the Guardians books when I was growing up. And mm-hmm. when I heard that they were making a movie out of for the MCU, like, wh- why? Yep. I saw the first trailer. Like, okay, this this looks fun. And I went to I went and saw it the opening weekend, and I've been on board ever since. When it was announced, it was- I was like, fail. 
This is it, guys. I'm sorry. I don't know why you're doing this to yourselves. You better put at least Iron Man or somebody in there, or else no one's going to watch it. And I was completely wrong. Yeah, I was. I was glad. To, I was very happy to be surprised. It was probably the first MCU movie where I was pleasantly surprised by what I saw on the screen. It was just. It was. It was just a great, fun movie. All right, uh, Isaac, what's your background with the Guardians? I wish I had a profound story about me seeing like Yondu in a discount uh, comic book shop and then being inspired. <laughs> but my background is just seeing them here and now. Oh, here's this rocket raccoon. Oh, what's this tree? It says, I am Groot. Oh, 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 here's the Guardians of the Galaxy, the Earth's Mightiest Hero. Uh, they, they were all, I, I don't have a super background with the Guardians. They've just kind of like been these like D list characters that oh, I yeah. was always tangentially aware of. So it was fun to see like James Gunn get to like build the entire cosmic side of the uh star wars uh mcu just built on their back uh, i'd see them become these embraced things although of course that's a double-edged sword because then everyone just started doing discount like i, I think the, the cringiest moment was like for some reason they did this attack on titan uh versus the marvel universe um oh. uh crossover comic uh it wasn't very good it's okay. basically a bunch of titans appear in new york city and of course the fucking marvel heroes beat them up because you know uh the power scaling is isn't very impressive when you throw them in the MCU. Um, but they have this big double page spread where they say, hooked on a feeling, ooga chaka, ooga oh, chaka, no. ooga chaka. <laughs> the, the Guardians are in a double page spread. And I was like, come on. Uh, well, no, Isaac, Isaac, is it still better than Aliens versus Terminator versus Predator? <laughs> Wait, that, that sounds awesome. Like, it was Dark Horse. Yeah, no, it wasn't. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, that's a good question. It, it, I, I think I. <laughs> were you gonna say MJ? No, just the fact that that comic doubled down on the storyline out of Alien Resurrection should tell you oh. everything you need to know about it. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> the the rise of Skywalker of aliens movies. That's um, being kind. Um. Uh, so maybe. Uh, it's it's interesting because you could say that like um it feels like uh james gum was like the last uh auteur to like actually be able to bring something in the mcu and then yeah. everything else was like kind of like been very um producer driven and it, everything else has either been like a derivative of Josh Whedon's Avengers style or James Gunn's Guardians riffing <laughs> and uh, there was like something about the MCU that they recently said um, that like um, someone high up said like oh one of the highest grossing MCU movies the directors didn't do anything they just turn to tell the cameras to turn on lights it's all it, it's all produced off stage it was like on the mm -hmm. hot mic podcast or something uh, mm -hmm. but uh, I think James Gunn is a double-edged sword uh, he's the best thing that ever happened to Marvel uh, yep. but I think uh, they also learned a lot of the wrong lessons from him <laughs> and uh, it feels like a lot of the, the, the MCU snark that people have come to like despise is yes. all just kind of like people trying to imitate him uh yep. even to, the funniest example is like the the suicide squad versus james gunn suicide squad you had the suicide squad which was edited to feel like guardians of the galaxy oh wow and then you yeah. had james gunn uh who basically gave them their own legit guardians of the galaxy film in the the, the suicide squad where he made a soft reboot um, the real one came to the imitators yeah yeah exactly oh even though the first guardians of the galaxy wasn't that bad i'm just saying 
<laughs> yeah, no, 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 I think they're, they're overall great, and I'm looking forward to getting into them. But that's my background is just sort of like seeing James Gunn. Uh, oh, he, well, all right. So I guess here's my most profound um, thing. is isn't so much with the Guardians of the Galaxy. It was uh, with James Gunn himself because, like, uh, you know, obviously I love James Gunn as a filmmaker. Uh, one of the few guys who does his edgy, subversive comedy, uh, dark comedy. Uh, so in college, I remember, um, you know, I wanted to see a movie, and I was like, ah, oh, let's go see Slither. And everyone was like, no, nah, we don't want to see oh, Slither. Yeah. Slither. And then I, I dragged them all, and at the end of it, oh, this was the most awesome thing. They were all quoting Nathan Fillion. We all had a blast. Yes. Uh, Slither is such an underappreciated uh, movie. Uh, but yeah, and it's great to see uh, James Gunny Boy. I wish you the best, and it's always good to see that like uh, you're, you're one of the edge lords who uh, you know isn't like apologizing for your past unless uh, some douchebag tries to throw you under the bus for it. And I'm glad to see that you can work within the system, which is amazing that you were able to do it but uh freaking edgar wright wasn't yeah yeah that he that, yeah they, they should have held on to edgar wright and yeah slither is what put james gunn on the map for me like that <laughs> um, not Nathan, the dead? Uh, nope not done <laughs> the dead like that one I, it still doesn't register hard with me even though that's james gunn and Zack snyder together yeah yeah i think i'm gonna go back to it yeah in case they're the number one snyder fan I am, but yeah, that, that that didn't even feel like you know the Snyder that I grew to love. It's like it's a well, number one Snyder fan that. is not a Snyder bro. <laughs> not, no, not yeah. Snyder. Yeah. No, no, but, no. Uh, important was, distinction. Important <laughs> distinction. Trust me, I've uh, dealt with Snyder bros. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, Isaac, I, it's good to hear you appreciate it, James Gunn. But are you so, uh, so old school, James Gunn, that you uh, went back to his trauma days? All right, that that is the the, the uh, thing I'm missing <laughs> from the uh, James Gunn filmography. I've not seen Tromeo and Juliet, uh, so <laughs> but I have seen PG porn. Oh. So ha, yes. I just found out about that today. I've got to check that out. I had no idea he made that. That sounds that amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, and for those of you wondering what PG porn is, basically Gunn decided to make a series of uh, the regular crappy stories you have in porn movies but without any actual porn in it and it just sounds amazing <laughs> like nathan fillion well the, the guest star list i mean alan tuttick's in it just the slew of various actors i love to see and i had no idea this exists until i was researching it today uh earlier today real quick in uh slither where nathan fillion said now nah, that's some fucked up shit right there that was like it i was like okay james gunn i'm now a disciple you got me that Yes, if you haven't seen Slither in the audience, please see that. It's fantastic. Just prepare, be prepared to be a little grossed out. Kid Mystery, what's your uh, background with the Guardians? Well, they, yeah. uh, like uh, with every 2004 uh, uh, kid born in there, uh, most of my comic experience and uh, stuff came from the movies. So, first time I heard anything about Guardians of the Galaxy was from the Guardians of the Galaxy 1 movie. I remember seeing it. I don't remember if it was. I remember who I saw it with. It was either my father or my mother. But I remember watching it and thinking, "Wow, these new characters—they're fucking great. They're funny. They're mm -hmm. hilarious. They're edgy. I mean, like, God, these are like so cool. I want to be like Star Lord." <laughs> and yeah, that's basically just my experience. And then as I and then when I started like seeing a bunch of like uh, Guardian stuff, like way after after that movie, like. I never heard of these characters in my life, and then all of a sudden, all the Guardians was there. Guardians T-shirts, Guardians like TV shows, Guardians everything. 
So lines you could call and you'll hear I am Groot repeated to you repeatedly. Oh my gosh, almost so many I am Groots. Oh my it was almost <laughs> as big as Orgs, I'd say. From the last <laughs> Jedi. Awesome. <laughs> uh, well, um yeah, that the Guardians came out of I I cannot uh, uh like uh, give them enough credit for coming out of nowhere. They're not a reference to something, they're not a remake of something. They popped up and everyone wanted to be as cool as them. Like, uh, yeah, like James Gunn was saying in an interview how he, like, he, he he changed the color palette of, like, the Marvel Universe. Uh, he was saying how he wanted to bring, he wanted to use this movie to make people feel how they felt when they watched Star Wars at first. Um, he wanted to have an alive, vibrant, and colorful uh, universe. And, like, after that, all of a sudden, everyone's popping with color, and even the Justice League were trying to get more colorful so yeah guardians galaxy led the way alas we've gone back to the gray muddy color palette (laughs) days well Well, who brought it back Uh, i think between christopher nolan and Zack snyder they did a pretty good job of bringing that palette back oh i'll say for them i was cool with it because i was like okay look i don't want everyone copying them i want my gray i want my color i want I wanted to. I wanted DC and Marvel to have distinct visual styles away from each other, and not try to chase what was the most successful from each of them, or the most successful from Marvel. Hot but, take: yeah. It should have been reverse. It should have been reverse. Marvel with the great tones and DC with the bright tones. I can't see. I'm sorry. I can't see after seeing like the Justice League animated uh, cartoon show. Mm-hmm. I can't see DC without having color. It's right. just like unrealistic for me i mean i know like christopher nolan like brought that edge hmm. into dc but i feel like dc should be like more i guess i don't know hopeful or i guess like more colorful more vibrant we have so many wacky like characters in dc it just ground them it feels like i don't know it just feels so weird very much agreed on not grounding my heroes but you, like, you are uh, once again, right. i wanted them different uh yeah i wanted uh, them differentiated but yeah yeah good it's super interesting to hear that uh, kid mystery after you um, watching like the, the to me, like the, the, the DC animated universe is like the perfect tone of like, you know, colorful and goofy, but it doesn't also talk down to its audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, the DC definitely needs more color. So I hope uh, uh, James Gunn fixes that problem. Yeah. when We get into the official James Gunn era of superhero movies. Yeah, since that was his like main thing of bringing color and vibrancy, um, I wonder how much he's going to be like if if he has anything new to bring to that color and 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 color palette and vibrancy to his new DC universe. So that's going to be interesting to see. Well, All right, gonna be, what is going to be most interesting to me is uh, if he actually brings some of that actual care that he brings to his movies to having that proliferate throughout DCU. Because the one big problem I have with the Zack Snyder verse DCU is just how monolithic it is. It just he keeps treating everything as this is a great Greek tragedy. These are Greek gods walking yeah. amongst men. Bow before all of these properties that I have control of. I'm like I can't identify with a single fucking one of them. I don't just, no make make me want to care about the characters I'm seeing on screen. Don't have Aqua Girl with some random off line off course quote and then have. A Wonder MG. Woman movie where Chris Pine's taking over somebody else's body and Wonder Woman's having sex Ooh. with a complete stranger. It just hey, what is that, this? That was not Zack Snyder. That was not Zack Snyder. That was 
That's well, same MJ, era, but yeah. MJ, you tell me you don't identify with Pa Kent saying, "Don't save oh me, my please." God. Oh no, please I, don't save me. I need to ask Zack Snyder <laughs> why he died. Because okay, I was I was, I was going to push back. Like I do definitely identify with the Man of Steel Superman. Like I do enjoy his outsider feel of like trying to control himself and 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 be something. I. I, I like that guy, but man, that part, yeah, where like uh, his father goes, like uh, when he was asked his father, like, should I have let them die? And like, as far as like, maybe I'm like, what the hell? What lesson maybe. is here? <laughs> Why are you doing this, Zach? Maybe like, Superman can save people. Oh, well, so yeah. that he could try harder <laughs> later on when he had to save the planet eventually. I guess to refute the the Earth Father. Why would you do that? Why would you do that at all? Well, because like <laughs> there was this weird objectivist Andrew and Randian uh, streak that runs through Zack Snyder's work, and the idea was that like uh, the whole, and it was in the Man of Steel that like you know mm-hmm. the, the regular people are holding down the exceptional, and if the exceptional make themselves known, then they will be persecuted by the regular people, and that was like <laughs> Pockens, <laughs> like you know he was trying to protect. Uh, because, you know, uh, Clark Kent, by showing him not to be exceptional or else he'll be persecuted. And then he was when they put him in chains and put Superman on trial. That's a valid observation. Uh, I like Zack Snyder. I don't think he's a cruel person, so I'm not sure if I believe it yet. But all that does completely add up. And yeah, man, yeah, the Pac Kent. I would love that's the, the, the If I had anything to ask Zack Snyder, it would be that, like, Why'd you do that? Like at all, <laughs> but all right, <laughs> let's go into what we think of Guardians Galaxy three. Uh, MJ, what are your feelings about Guardians of Galaxy three? Uh, it was a great final part of the uh, trilogy. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it might have bogged down a little bit, a little bit with uh, everything that Gunn was trying to do with two and a half hours. But I mean, it was a good fun final chapter with all those characters and basically just watching a visual mixtape from Gunn that everybody gallivanting across the galaxy and getting a really decent backstory on Rocket and why he was as angry as he was in the first two movies and finally understanding who he was and yeah it was just a lot of fun it was like very much like uh, watching Picard season 3 or John Wick 4 it was just a really good satisfying final chapter to the uh, film series cool Kid Mystery what'd you think of Guardians of Galaxy 3 Oh, I loved it. Oh, I loved it. I mean, like, I felt like it's a perfect... I, I think some of it has some, like, perfect endings for some characters. Um, I thought, like... I thought the storytelling was amazing. I thought that Rocket Raccoon, like, whole, like, backstory was mm-hmm. beautifully done. Like, how... Uh, I really loved, like... Are we allowed to say, like, spoilers here? Yes. Yep. Okay. I love, like... Uh, like how like they portray like uh death with with the Rocky Raccoon uh like whole storyline like how like when he like uh fake dies into the uh movie or like how when like his like backstory friends like uh like pass away mm. like it's what has hit it hit those emotional beats that I think were very appropriate for the Guardians film and I think it was very like well done. All right. Isaac, what do you think of Guardians of the Galaxy 3? 
enjoyed it a little bit more than I thought I would, considering how tortured its production cycle was. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> between like uh, some people were commenting that the scene where like uh, Peter Quill talks about how he is like Alt Gamora, and he's like, uh, "Oh, she fell off a of space magic, and then uh, <laughs> space rocks. Who knows that space?" That was like James Gunn just venting about having like uh, so much other big shit, like kind of like. Uh, ruin maybe when he originally yeah yeah because when was this originally supposed to come out was this supposed to be like after infinity war because let, let, let's assume james right? uh yeah uh from, from what i saw um this movie is supposed to, it was like uh I, i'm pretty sure it was after infinity war but he did he was he, that was not his idea that uh gomorrah got killed like this movie was supposed to come out like one year earlier than it did as far as i know yeah it was supposed to be a uh, phase four movie originally so maybe that was still going to happen, uh, but um, I think he did as well as he could have. Uh, he said that Rocket is the character that he feels like the most in sync with. Um, and of course, uh, well, Rocket's backstory was uh, like the heart of the movie. And uh, obviously uh, it showed his incredible strengths. There was a wonderful Tim Burton quality to it as like, you know, these misfit, uh, misbegotten animals bonded and then uh, met to their eventual cruel fate. And then Rocket just going feral on the mm-hmm. uh whatchamacallit it's funny i think uh would w- we say the high evolutionary is like the best villain out of all the uh the three guardians films uh yeah i'd probably say that uh i mean definitely the most menacing definitely like so I, ego didn't really feel like he had that sort of edge like he had his like line about like oh i killed your mother uh Quill, but like, yeah, that's more personal to Quill. This guy felt like an actual force to be reckoned with. Ronan felt like nothing, nothing, yes. absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah. Ronan was just a punch bro uh, guy who just like uh, was just like meant to be in a you know a heavy, but not, had next to no personality, um, which was fine. Like uh, a lot of uh, Marvel villains have, kind of, uh, Marvel movies have like kind of shitty villains, uh, and as long as the characters are good enough, uh, they kind of bring it up. But but um, yeah, he's definitely the most charismatic, although part of me thinks that, like, if he wanted, like, a more better escalation, this should have been the second movie, and then Ego should have been the trilogy cappers, like, kind of, like, the biggest scale. But the fact that the scope was, like, more smaller and more intimate uh, did help with, the like, the rocket stuff. I guess my, my sort of problem was um, it did feel a little bloated, and I, I was also annoyed that, like, James Gunn didn't get to kill any of the Guardians. I, mm. I, I would have oh, loved yeah. to him see... I, I wanted some blood on the table. I wanted him to go for some heart strength. So I was annoyed by all the um, uh, fake deaths. And also, uh, you did nothing with Adam Warlock. You shouldn't have even had him in there. <laughs> Adam Warlock was a complete waste of time. Yeah, I think yeah, Gunn he, admitted that he didn't know quite what to do exactly with Adam, which is yeah. kind of funny since, you know, he had him as a post credit scene at the end of the second movie. Like, okay, you've got plans for him. You're going to do something with him. It, yeah, I didn't expect them to just be like a MacGuffin to be used whenever they needed to at points during yeah. the movie. He, he says uh, that like um, he he likes having layered threats. Like there's the main threat and then there's the secondary threat, which is like you had Ronan the Destroyer and then Yandu. Then you had like Nova, we had Ego. And then like uh, Adam was supposed to be the secondary threat. But I think that he got pushed out of like all of the heart that they need to jam in there for a true finale for rocket but yeah god like um uh, and was it adam polter will, will polter will right? polter yeah, will yeah polter. He, he was fantastically cast at him i love the the cape and the costume 
So I, I was kind of prepared for him to be a very big deal instead of just a continual punchline. And that was quite a waste. But yeah, that, that movie is so dense that... Um, Do you like the yeah, pseudo uh, Infinity Stone he had on his forehead? Yeah, yeah. I, I, wish, I, I wish it could have been something. Um, it's, real comic book it's, it's supposed to be an Infinity Stone. Uh, which yeah, one of the stones the did he stone. have on his forehead? Yeah, yeah Soul Stone. Thank you. Yeah. It's kind of uh, for that to show up, but now, um, yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah, what does <laughs> happen to the soul? What? Sorry, real quick. What happened to the? Where? Where, where are the and, Infinity Stones in this timeline? Is this still the timeline where Thanos destroyed all the Infinity Stones? Yes, uh, but yeah. So they're, they're all like, gone essentially. With cosmic okay. magic, they could you know possibly coalesce down the line. But he did. He's the the glove to destroy the stones. I think. All right. So yeah. after the whole time wankery from Endgame. I wasn't quite sure where they were at, but you know, that makes sense. On the um, point of oh, ahead, on please. the point of uh uh like death in the movie, if I may give some insight. So I'm on I'm freak I was frequently on the uh like Marvel's uh studios spoiler subreddit. Mm-hmm. Uh and like apparently like a lot of like the leaks there was like a ton of leaks from Marvel movies. I knew like all of the Black Panther stuff. I knew all the uh, like a bunch of like the uh, other movies that came out, and also the TV shows, like just like entire scripts were leaked. I know, like basically a lot of stuff for the Captain Marvel movie coming out, but like for Guardians of Galaxy, uh, it was like uh, like originally there were plans for like death in like previous versions of the script. Like Drax was planned to die. Some of the scripts said that uh, Rocket Raccoon was planned to die. Um. I think, like, uh, yeah, I think those were the two, like, main deaths that were planned to do, but, like, they either got rewritten or, like, made forced to change. So, yeah. Well, Alright, so let, let me ask you this. I, I, I'm really, really curious if you're, like, on the, uh, you know, Marvel Studio spoilers subreddit. Uh, maybe you can have some insight into this. Because, like, um, to me, I thought Peter Quill's character evolution was kind of strange. Um, because, like, uh, one thing I kind of liked between uh, Endgame and uh, Guardians 3 is that we got, like, little snippets of a more mature Quill who yes. was kind of, like, kind of taken into a leader. So, like, you, you got this, you got it in Thor uh, Love and Thunder, uh, where you got, like, a more mature he's like more the straight man to thor he's more the straight man to the other guardians he's not quipping he, he, he's accepted his maturity he's grown up he's not so much of a you know guy who's banging uh, captain kirk style blue alien girls in his uh ship um and he, he's leading a team and he's trying to do good things and then you got even more of a sense that he was maybe a sad clown in the guardians uh, christmas special but he was still like the mature force and then he in the, the beginning of this he's like this drunken ruin over the fact yeah. that uh, Gamora's gone. So so is there any accounting for that in the spoilers? It, it feels like such a regression from the Peter Quill we got uh, in snippets uh, leading up to this. From what I can remember, well, since the subreddit is like Thanos snapped by Disney, it, so it's no longer like on the face of this earth. But what I can remember from the script, it was always like planned that like Gamora wasn't gonna uh, was like, uh, like kind of distant and they weren't going to end up together. Um, I don't know if they specifically mentioned, I think they said, like, Pierre Quill was, like, upset about it, so I think that might have been always in, like, the previous versions of the scripts, but I could be, like, uh, I could be mistaken about it, but I'm pretty sure, like, it always, like, mentioned, like, Pierre Quill was sad, and Gamora was never going to join the Guardians back again. Okay. Yeah, I thought I'd heard, uh, something about, the 
Quill and Nebula were actually supposed to get together eventually Yikes. in Volume 3, which they only kind of hinted at that one scene, and then they just dropped it immediately. Good. Um, so, <laughs> let's see. Like uh, my, my take on Guardians 3, uh, I, I, I love the first one. It's more of like a straight sci-fi thing. second one was so beautifully personal. Like I listened to the, the director commentary of that, and yeah, like the the regression was highly noticeable in part three because um, the reason why ego is better in part two is because that was supposed to be like uh, Peter Quill's grow up moment. Like now he's an adult and now he goes forward and becoming a, a you know like father figure of the team and leader. And then yeah, now in, in three he's back to part one Peter Quill, which was like uh, an unfortunate regression. Um, and regarding the deaths. Uh, I was kind of looking forward to it, but except for when like I started seeing the previews, I was like, you know what? Please don't kill anyone. Uh, I I really wanted like for this team of heroes to have the Return of the Jedi ending. Like, um, let me have the fun that we had at the end of Return of the Jedi and at the end of Picard. Spoiler alert! It's kind of fun to just let me have my heroes know that they live on and they go on. But like, I remember Dave Bautista like several times saying like, "Yep, I want to die." Yeah, I think Bex would die. If anyone dies, I can do it, guys, for you. <laughs> I, I was, like, watching David, for him to go. He seems to have the most conflicted relationship with Drax. On one hand, he loves the fact that it, like, kind of put him on the map. On the other hand, he hates it that it, like, kind of, like, pigeonholed him as, like, the big, strong man yes. buffoon. <laughs> and then he's fighting so hard. I'm a real actor. I'm a real. Yes, you are, uh, Dave Batista. I think you're very talented. But, uh, you know. And he does Glass give Onion. Me, give the... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, glass Onion. Glass Onion was the same thing. He was basically <laughs> playing a version of Drax. Oh, like, right wing Drax. Um, so what, what I was thinking with him and Zoe is that um, the, the Farscape connection, um, and just so you and the audience, you guys all know the Farscape connection, right? Um, um, the fact that Ben Browder was in Volume 2? Not just that, but like James Gunn modeled the Guardians of the Galaxy after Farscape. Like, specifically in Oh, he outright said that? And, and that yeah, yeah, and that's why Ben Browder was in the second one, because he's like, yes, just so everybody knows, I do know I ripped off Farscape. I love that show. That's why Peter Quill dresses like um, John Crichton. Um, and oh, oh the, the the connection was that in Farscape, there was a character named Zan uh, who was painted all in blue. And eventually she left the show because doing that so long made her sick and it's hard and it's difficult. So any character that starts, you know, coloring their skin, I wonder how long are they going to last in the show? And like, I can see like Zoe and, and, um, Dave Batista, like after this many years of it, never wanting to do it ever, ever again. And that being part of why they might die. And also um, part of wanting to die. And a lot of the cast hesitancy, like in all these, like I kept on seeing in interviews of like, you know, Hey, hey do you want to come back to the MCU? I'm like, there, there's always just this brief little quick shadow of sadness over their faces as they seem to not want to, because it's not James Gunn anymore. Like, their experience with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is like um, best friends playing a Dungeons and Dragons game together. And like once the DM is gone, they don't want to keep playing that world anymore. And I hope they keep going back to it, but the experience they had with it and like the looks on their faces of like not being with each other in the movie is like, is quite noticeable. And like also with James Gunn being the last auteur in the MCU, 
Like, I wonder, like, who was out there? What they, they need some a hungry spark of a creator to come along and say, hey, I got something amazing here. And let's all play yeah, together again. Well, it, one meta, I, I might be reading into this, but um, so if there's one thing I kind of saw on the end of, of Guardians 3, I almost thought it was like a, a analogy. So, all right, so let, let, let's assume uh, Rocket is James Gunn, as he says, he's the character he most identifies with. Yep. Um, Rocket confronts his traumatizing past, overcomes it, and then he goes on to become a new team leader, just as James Gunn is going to become the leader of the DC universe. Okay. Because, like, uh, yeah, James and- Gunn did specifically say that uh, Rocket is him. Like, uh, when he was first offered the movie, um, he wanted to turn it down because the way they set it up was like, and we got this Rocket Raccoon character who's like Bugs Bunny, huh? You want, do you want to do Bugs Bunny in space? And he's like, no. And then he's driving home and thinking about like, but uh, let's think of how he would do Rocket. And like, it's a, a tortured person who feels set apart from everybody else. And through Rocket and like his um, his own life experience, he did create Guardians of the Galaxy through Rocket. So Rocket is him. Rocket becomes leader of the Guardians of the Galaxy. He becomes leader of DC. And yeah, like after like putting... And all of his friends seeing him put so much into that, like who could step in to keep that kind of thing going anymore? Well, that was the biggest feeling I got walking out of the movie is that it felt like an epitaph for the MCU that we knew. Cause yes. this was the last part of the pre end game MCU that was really left. Everything else is just basically new now. And as we saw from phase four, it's struggling to match what they did before game and infinity war and i mean i'd I like this part of me still wants to give everything that they're doing now a chance yes but i just i can't be i, I can't get invested into it it's just that it's not catching me the way that every all the characters uh all the characters from the first three phases did and yeah it, like it well, well, me I, out <laughs> well, i'm kind, i'm kind of curious i'm this is what i'm really curious to ask uh, kid mystery so kid mystery in some ways you grew up in the best era you saw like mm. you know as fun as it was to grow up with like star wars or um lord of the rings or all these great nerd properties you saw the ultimate fantasy that we never thought we would see an interconnected comic book universe uh the likes of scale that had never been achieved again the ultimate pop culture touchstone. What did you think of the MCU growing up? And what do you think of phase four now? Is it still hitting as it used to? Oh my God. It was so amazing when it first came out. Like I remember watching Iron Man and then like Captain America came out. I was like, Oh wait, this is connected. Wait, what? And like, because like I grew up like with the Spider-Man's and the X-Men's like movies too. So like I was pre, I was also sort of in that pre MCU, not like to the, way of like blade in the 90s but like i had like that uh interconnected like not interconnected, uh like separate like ip like superhero movies like x-men and the spider-man but like having like this new like thing that just pops out of nowhere and like just started with like iron man and then just grew and grew and then the avengers happened it was amazing and then like every time the mcu an mcu movie came out it was like an event it was an event to all of us like like, hey, new, hey, a new MCU movie. And it's going to be a banger. Let's go watch it. And then sometimes there are like some misses, but like even then we could like, uh, we would uh, just like ignore it because like how many like good shit that was just coming out? Like Captain America 2, 
fucking uh civil war it just like kept on going and going and then the penultimate like uh end game just happened and it was so fucking good and then end phase fucking four happened and then we got middling results of every single thing we had like so much like we had so everything was good and then like who cares anymore it ended why would we care about miss marvel or steel for any of these characters like i guess we get a spider-man but like what but like who cares about like i don't know like uh here's here's the thing here's the thing wandavision well here's the thing a lot of the characters that they are bringing in with phase four have been popular in the more recent comic books for the last 10-15 10-15 years, so they're trying to tap into the next generation, because the first three Are phases, let's, let's, first, three phases let's, first three phases, they're centered around characters, the, the classic Silver Age till now characters. I mean, well-established ones, like, like Captain America, Iron Man, Black Widow, Thor, I mean, just all the classic big Marvel heroes. And then starting with Phase 4, they're like, yeah, we should probably bring it in the 21st century now, so basically all these characters that we've been seeing in Phase 4 have been since the turn of the 21st century. So they're trying to appeal that next generation of comic book fans, and the first three phases were really appealing more to our generation of comic book fans. Wait, wait. MJ, Isaac, you go first. I I hear this uh, response you had to this. Go, go, go. So that I gotta argue against a little bit. Uh, On a surface level, you're right, MJ, but, like, the the big issue is that, like, Phase 4 is basically... Back in, like, 2014, 2015, uh, Marvel sort of did the all-new, all-different Marvel. It was kind of, like, in response to all the bloggers, Marvel's too white, let's get in uh, more diverse representation, get in all these characters, we'll we'll put Miles Morales in the Avengers, we'll have Kamala Khan, uh, and none of the, you know, they'll claim that these characters were huge hits, but they, I I don't think that they were, people like the idea of the characters more than they like the actual stories they're in. And and you can, as Game Guardians of the galaxy as guardians of the galaxy has proven you can take d-list characters that aren't particularly popular and make them pop off mm-hmm. <laughs> and, well, as long as you got history. a director well, as long as you got a creator behind it who generally gives a shit about what he's doing you know, yeah. or what yeah. they're doing excuse yeah. me <laughs> yeah exactly uh so kid mystery uh keith is an eternal an eternal stan yeah. the eternals did the eternals make you uh, did you love the eternals Oh, no, it's the Eternals. I okay. It was a change of pace. I don't know. <laughs> I, it did give me that spark that like the movies I enjoy. I can get what I was, I was doing, but like I I just didn't get that like spark of like man, this is like the movie that is it. It's a new direction. It's a new place we should go. No, it didn't feel like that. It felt like I guess like a movie that like yes. was like is like just like a normal movie. But, like, yes. not even, like, a good normal movie. Just, like, a normal movie that, like, you might see. Like, I don't know, like, a Christopher Nolan movie. But, like, not Christopher Nolan that's, like, that you actually enjoy. But, like, uh, like one of those people, like, trying to imitate, like, Christopher Nolan, I guess. Like, I'm, I'm going to just say, just say that, I'll tell you that it's good, but it's place it's, setting. Like, it's not, it's not supposed to be the new, make you feel like you're watching the next uh, coming of Captain America or the Guardians of the Galaxy. Where they were to me, what they, I saw, they were setting up new um, vibes that you can enter in and experience while you're in the Marvel universe. Until everybody hated it, and now Marvel's ignoring that it ever happened. 
so we aren't getting that. But like the 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 new entry levels that they they created in in, uh, in Eternals, um, to me it was a lot of fun and like, um, it's like it's like I, I try to describe. Um, there's this one comic book called Mister Majestic, and it's about this Superman character that's in like the Image universe, and he's at the very heat death of the universe. And he comes across all these weird characters like Manny the Wandering Jew and all these. Um, the, the the last computer that's uh, rattling off. I'm sorry. Every I'm sorry. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Manny, the wandering Jew. Yes, yes, that is one of the last. <laughs> wow, beings. you got paid to come up with that character name. Good uh, what's his Grant Morrison? Are you okay? Oh, that's wait, no, no, guys. Let me finish. Let me finish. Um, All right, sorry. And yeah. yes, it is a fantastic comic. Find it. It's beautiful. It's talking about like all the last immortals in the universe and like them just trying to experience the last moments that'll ever happen. It's amazing. And like one of the, the there's a computer that's rattling off every civilization's word for God until he gets to the last one. He's going to shut off. It's all, it's like, it's, and it's not even a trade paperback. It's like just a comic book. It, and yes, yeah, condensed. And you have all these wild characters. You don't get their backstory. You don't get a full introduction to each one of them, but it's condensed in like one weird story. That's what I got out of Eternals. Not, thinking that's going to be the next thing, but it was a cool, weird corner to go into. This one is excellent. Guy, I defend my Eternals. Yeah, uh, uh, you, <laughs> you and I were talking about this before, Keith. I, I still think that Marvel should have concentrated on, separated the uh, multiverse saga from going galactic. I mean, Eternals probably should have waited if they're going to make the multiverse such a priority. Because mm. I'd rather see them like, get the multiverse crap out of the way, all the alternate timelines and all this, that, and other thing, and then start Agreed. looking to the stars again, because, I mean, you're going to start bringing in Fantastic Four, and you bring in Fantastic Four, you're going to start bringing in Galactus and Silver Surfer. And... Yeah, well, what exactly looking... are they... Yeah, good. What exactly are they doing with Phase 4, exactly? It feels like they have, like, I they're, like, going off, like, they want to do multiversal stuff, they want to do galactic stuff, they want to do street-level stuff, they want to do every stuff, but, like, at least, at least phases one through three had like a big plan of like Thanos being the end game. Like this, I just don't get it. Like, what's your plan, Kevin Feige? What's you're doing? You want to do everything now that you have all control. They cast them that wide. I think and, uh, yeah. they they've made a kitchen too big. Like, so like the the start of the MCU was all these like hot shots that like all the geeks like were like, yeah, this is the dude. This is the the coming up like. Joss Whedon, like before the Avengers, was a a walking god, and like that he got to wield the Avengers was such a huge idea. And the first Captain America that was done by the guy who did the Rocketeer, we all had faith in him. So, and yeah. then like uh, the first uh, Thor was done by Kenneth Ma- Branagh. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. The, he had all these like rising creator stars. Oh, oh, what I think is going to happen? What's happening lately is that. They're still trying to so and then you have all these cooks in the kitchen. So you had like these uh strong players that got to control their products and, and create these their section of the world and bring it together and they all cared about Marvel. And I think they really wanted this to happen with the creators behind Rick and Morty. Like that's what I hear is a lot of the writers behind a lot of this stuff are Rick and Morty writers. And with the, what well, they created. Yeah, you're right. They 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 have poached a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, but, the, I think uh, one of the ones uh, Quantumania, uh, uh, WandaVision, She-Hulk. and also uh, She-Hulk. Yeah, uh, you're right. They did poach a lot of Rick and Morty writers. Yeah, they're trying to, like, okay, who's the new hot writers? And, and 
Rick and Morty was thunder killing it like all the way through. So they're looking in the right place, but I think there's like more executives or something involved that keep things from uh, being focused and actually growing. And then also that they, they fucked up by firing I, James Gunn. Cause like James Gunn never got to finish his construction of the cosmic Marvel universe that he was going to do. And apparently that got destroyed after he got fired. And then like, you know, he's just back for one more. Yeah. Moment. I think um, if they, uh, God, they they fucked up hard with the James Gunn firing. Yes. That was still one of the dumbest things they ever could. Have. I think we would have looked upon uh, Phase Four a lot more yep. fondly if you had like a Wakanda Forever, um, No Way Home, and a Guardians Three uh, works kind of in its rightful place, uh, kind of like his anchor bridge for like the weaker stuff. Uh, but instead, it's just kind of oh. like a deluge of the weak to middling stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think if you had th- those three um then people would have um the wakanda forever discourse is really interesting people seem to have liked it but it like completely zipped out of like cultural consciousness in less than a the month felt good at the time oh real quick though um the cosmic stuff that he was starting to build i'm betting that's where uh uh adam warlock would have mattered way more because he did consider this story for um rocket raccoon to be a rocket and Groot movie that was on the table mm-hmm. and so like with him like and like uh, with nothing with no dc on the horizon like he had that he had a nova core he could have played with um rocket group movie uh more focused on star lord and and uh adam warlock and the third guardians of the galaxy so a lot just got destroyed and we went from the cosmic that he was going to create to the multi-universe that the uh, Rick and Morty writers have been messing around with, and yeah, yeah the uh, and I think the cosmic would have been much better. Yes, like uh, it's interesting because we've gotten like a lot of like uh, discount cosmic. We got discount cosmic in uh, Love and Thunder, which everyone hated. Yes. We got discount cosmic in the Quantum Mania kid, kid kid mystery. What did you think of the non James Gunn uh, cosmic uh, MCU so far of Ant Man and uh, Love and Thunder? Oh, I fucking hate Love and Thunder. I I I, I, I fucking hate. It now, I fucking oh my god, Taika Waititi had like a good movie before Thunder Thunder, and he also had Jojo Rabbit, which was good. But I don't know what the fuck happened. Keith said like maybe he he just like it was like revenge against Marvel for deeming his vision like too like wild, or maybe it was like or maybe it it was uh like one of the writers uh of like Earth Mightiest Heroes leaving the script. But either way. It suffered so much. Oh my god! Do you remember the bloody uh, Thor split scene where he just has, like, he's just doing the yes. splits on like two bikes? That was yes. so stupid. <laughs> stupid. Uh. Why in the world would you ever have that? What? That's like that's the. Before it came out, Van Dam moment. Let him have it. Before it came out, I was the one saying, "Guys, watch out for Love and Thunder," because there are hints that it wasn't going to be good and. The commentary of Ragnarok, like you listen to that commentary of Ragnarok, Taika Waititi's not a happy person. He or he, yeah, he seemed he seemed very angry and unhappy with um, Ragnarok. Like, like I said, like where like James Gunn and Guardians of the Galaxy two, that commentary is some of the best I've ever heard in my entire life. It moved my life. I'll never forget the experience. 
Uh, Ooh, that's interesting. Oh, what, gotcha. what's so because like I, I Guardian, any interesting insights? Because I I was not. I mean, I've seen the Lindsay Ellis video. Yes. I've heard uh, arguments for Guardians of the Galaxy too that have like, uh, you know, kind of like they're, they're good arguments. They're, they're really good deconstructions, and you know, sort of made me appreciate it. But to me, Guardians two felt like watching like a bunch of episodes of the Guardians TV show, and then the last bit felt like the Guardians movie. It felt Agreed. so inter- disconnected. I but, felt that right, way at so, first. Because, like, when I first saw what, what, it, I walked out going, eh, I don't know about that one. And then like, there was the Lindsay Ellis video that really uh, touched me. And then I like, got the D, uh, the Blu-ray, and I listened to the the commentary. And, like, how much he really... Like, one of the things I hate about um, people trying to do Star Wars is, like, how much they just spam it on the screen. And they don't care about the name of the spaceships that are involved and stuff. I'm like, dude. But, like, while he was talking about Guardians of the 2... Like there's um the dominator or something like that. Like each ship he named, and like you could tell that he specifically cared about each ship, its function, its name. Um, and then like he he went into in depth about like what the songs meant to him versus versus three, which man, that that was some song spamming. I I, I hope the commentary is good on that one because <laughs> like he just like slapping songs up, but like he, like he was talking about like how Guardians Two is definitely about like growing up and accepting adulthood and. And um, it, oh, and also uh, mainly accepting one's mortality, like um, uh. yeah, it was really touching. And then like Ragnarok, I couldn't last more than like twelve minutes, I think, until I turned it off because because <laughs> I was like like when like a uh, Surtur, like, the devil guy, was on his throne, and and I was like, okay, man, I'm, I'm, so what, what inspired this? I can't wait to hear. And he goes, see, that's me up there. Okay, you know, um, they doused me in gasoline, and uh, they set me on fire. So that's actually me on fire. And, like, um, what are you doing? <laughs> and, like, every moment was, like, no insight about why he cared about his shot. Uh, it was just, like, just making fun of everything on the screen. I was like, what the hell, dude? What? It's like you don't care. And then, like, yeah, like, to me, there's this general feeling of not caring. And then how he murked... Uh, um, uh thor's merry men and and women and like he's like like, you know they come off by hella which was like breaking all the toys of like the first first person became for him and so he could play with his own toys and then um yeah like all that feeling was like this guy doesn't care and like i think that what we saw in ragnarok everything that we loved was because of uh a guy named christopher yost who did earth's mightiest heroes um i think his writing is why we loved uh, Ragnarok and the live action Cowboy Bebop. Yes, we know that. <laughs> yeah. he's, not, he has, he's not had a perfect oh, record. Oh, okay, I would say, I would say, let, let him do his own space sci fi. Don't put Cowboy Bebop on it, like because of that <laughs> and that layer. And you're the producer, let's not blame it on Christopher Yost. Uh, Leave yeah. him alone. Well, one brief tangent, I got to throw this out there. This is Cowboy Bebop came in. Uh, kid Mystery, uh, yay or nay in the One Piece live action? Uh, what do you feel? Okay, did you see? Okay, okay, okay. I'm going to be perfectly honest. I, I like, I was, I sometimes I'll defend like stuff that other people will say is going to be bad because like, I'd like say, okay, give, give a chance. Like, I was a defender of Love and Thunder before it came out, okay? And, I'm still sticking to my guns. I'm going to be a defender of One Piece, the live-action series, before it comes out. Because I think it has one thing that might be different than the other ones, is that the actual creator, Oda, said that they're specifically looking it over. And I think that the incentive for 
Netflix to have an actual good, successful live action anime series is like is pushing them to like actually make it possibly even like good. Like Oda said in like a message, like that they won't release the eight episodes that are planned unless Oda like signs off on it. So I'm hoping, right. I'm hoping on Oda that he will look over everything and make sure that this is up to standard. Versus Cowboy Bebop's, uh, he was depressed. That that hurt him. Yeah, and well, also that's so, so. So he he hears my my uh, that's. I want to be positive. I want this to hit. I want to be validated. I want all the people I've tried to watch One Piece see this and then like, oh my god, this incredible thing that's been here. I should see it. I, I always want that anime validation. Uh, that the comic books is, uh, has come. The anime and manga validation. Um. But that I saw that that message where Oda said he's not he's not approved it's not being released until he approves of it. But then what scared me mm-hmm. is that the when he said you know it's eight episodes. It was originally supposed to be ten. I don't know how you cover all of East Blue in eight in, uh, eight episodes unless it's like each episode's an hour and a half. So that was like a huge red flag to me. I hope it's good. I want it to be good. But I I think out of all the anime and manga, One Piece is the most difficult uh, to tackle. Oh, just yeah. because it's so broad, goofy, and cartoony. Oh, yeah. And I, I think you need a. <laughs> the one thing in its favor is that I do love is that the showrunner uh, has like come into like One Piece fan chats. He'll come in and talk like you know oh. uh, One Piece fandom with like YouTubers. Uh, I've seen that, um, so that kind of gives me hope. But I also think it is like one of the most difficult adaptation uh, you could ask for. So uh, I, I'm trying to be optimistic, but that 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 made me scared. But anyway, but, but, but back to James Gunn and the Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> Um, uh, I, I, I just want to talk quickly about the bad guy. Um, let's see. I like him a lot. I think he's fantastic. Um, although the best thing about him that is this, he goes against this and like, it's a new trend. I hope is still rising, which is just keeping your bad guys being a piece of shit. Like a bad guy is bad. And that's it. We don't have to sympathize with him. No, just no sad backstory. Like with, um, uh, uh Puss in Boots, the last wish, uh, that had a no good Nick that was just a bad person and keep that going. Cause like, it was so much fun when, uh, he rolled up, rolled up on, uh, the evolutionary and the evolution started talking. He's like, I don't care about your backstory. And then like, they also gave, uh, us enough of a flashback to not give a shit about either lives. <laughs> and like, when he was like, that's it, kill them all. I was like, hell yes. I like cheered. As they went back to back, and, and <laughs> that was so much fun. Just having bad guys beacon to slaughter and not have to like worry about you know that they were kidnapped as a kid. Star Wars, why would you do that with stormtroopers? <laughs> Fuck, <laughs> don't even get it. But yeah, um, yeah, having bad guys that you can just punch and kill and not have to worry about that was so much fun. Well, I'm getting a little we tired of uh, this- I'm getting a little tired of villains that think that they have to demonstrate how evil they are by shouting all the time i'm just mm, i'm so yeah. tired of that with he went hard villains. all the time oh yeah, another thing i like a insane, right what's that but like high evolutionary was specifically supposed to be like an insane like man like he was like so full of himself that like he was an egomaniac mm-hmm. i feel like I, for this character it was spec- i mean i get i i agree with like the idea of like care uh villains shouldn't have to scream for like it but like i feel like this is a moment where like he should like seem like insane and unhid for like those scenes. Um, I also, this is one scene I love with 
the one scene I loved with him so much was when he was like uh, pissed off at Rocket for being smarter than him, and he's like, "You, no one could ever be better than me." <laughs> I you figure like, that out? How can you possibly have known that filter needed to be there? Another thing that's different, uh, sort of, is that he was not a universal threat. Like, um, he was not a, if we don't stop him, the entire galaxy will be destroyed. Although, he did destroy a planet, which, God, that... That I guess, he created. Yes. But, I mean, I guess uh, the, the plot wasn't to save that planet. But, damn, I, I really should have didn't go that hard on, like, that nice planet with these people that were kind and cute and some were bad and god yeah it went a little too far but i just like that the plot was to save a friend and to kill some bad guy not if we don't kill him all life in the galaxy will be destroyed like that was really uh appreciated like i i I want more non-planetary galactic threats well, that did make me wonder how old Counter-Earth actually was, because supposedly every creature and that planet were created after Rocket's Batch 89. Okay, yeah. So how old is Rocket in actuality in this timeline? I'll just wonder about that. 40s and 60s? Because like the planet was based on like High Evolutionary's visit to Earth, and... Seeming like uh, seeing like how the civil- civilization is like on Counter-Earth, it's very much based off... like the 70s i think or it might be the 80s i don't i don't know the specific like time it's based off but it's around that area so maybe like mm-hmm. he came to earth around that time and then like rocket is like like maybe like i don't know 40 50 years old maybe even 60 so if we're decades going really far. yeah i'm still wondering basically. where he got the cars with the car handles that nebula couldn't figure out uh <laughs> and it's probably because it's like what James Gunn said about uh, where does uh, Star Lord get the batteries for his Walkman? Uh, if they can make no, spaceships right. that can go faster than speed of light, they can figure out how to make car doors. Or how Rocket could possibly know who Jackson Pollock was from the first movie. Uh, I, never, I didn't. I, I rewatched <laughs> the first two movies before I saw this, and like, okay, that that joke from Qu- from Quill is pretty funny. Like, if you turn a black light on in this ship. It looked like a Jackson Pollock painting, and Rocket's like, "You're messed up, Quill." Wait, wait, how do you, how does how does a Raccoon <laughs> know who Jackson Pollock is? He's never I, been to Earth. I, he has no idea. Oh yeah, okay. I was gonna say that because it seems like you know that Earth is not difficult to reach for these characters. Uh, they just don't. Which which finally did explain. I had that question since the first movie. Like, so why doesn't Peter Quill go back to Earth ever? And it's because he was running away from pain. Like, in space, he was a cool space cowboy. On Earth, he has to face, like, the loss of his mother. So He was jumping from lily pad to lily pad. Ah, yeah. God, Metaphor. Love this, love this movie. Love this movie. <laughs> um, I, was, I also yeah, but, really enjoyed uh, the evolution of Mantis. I think James yes. Gunn did a great job with her from, like, kind of like this shy, submissive, uh, a, 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 I don't know, she, she felt coded Asian to, like, just kind of right. be more boisterous and outspoken, Meek. and I loved her evolution from uh, Guardians 2 all the way up to here, uh, over the cross of her, like, you know, little sub, as she kind of became more integrated and more opened up and kind of became Drax's best mm-hmm. buddy. I thought she was the MVP of the movie. I'm kind of hoping her and Gunn get to work together again. I really want to see her more stuff again. I bet they will. Uh, yeah, they. Uh, she she definitely was integrated into the family in the in the, in, in the interviews, and also had the flicker of sadness that like we're not going to be together. And James Gunn and and uh, 
Chris Pratt. Like they follow those two. That was um that was the family. Um, another disappointment. You gotta say, mm-hmm. yeah, good. The Guardian. Uh, oh, sorry. Well, the Guardians family did well. That they, they all surrounded around Pratt when uh, the internet kept on trying to lynch him <laughs> for nothing, <laughs> and they all uh, st- stood stood by James uh, James Gunn uh, when when yes. uh, what you call conservatives got their day in the sun, which I still think is the the stupidest thing in the world. They did. They, they you knew who you hired, uh, and, and what Mike Cernovich starts some sort of yeah, bullshit yeah, campaign, and you fire him just just because they gave the illusion of a a leftist cancel campaign. Mm-hmm. What the hell, you goddamn cowards! Yes, he was cowards talking about stirring babies in his tweets. Come on, man! Mm. Oh my god, an edgy guy made an edgy comment. Oh, <laughs> did, did everyone forget the scene where like uh, Ellen Page sexually assaults uh, Rain Wilson in, in a fucking? Yeah. Uh, no one saw that. Super. No one saw that uh, except for us. <laughs> oh, nobody saw that. It, it, yeah, exactly. It, it despise the conservatives who who did it and it's like you bitches complain about cancel culture all the time oh, oh that's right you just want cancel culture to work in your fucking and way. now we're in the timeline free without the true marvel cosmic universe thanks guys <laughs> thanks. alas um, an- you, another you killed it. Another thing that uh, st- I have a slight bit of disappointment with that I thought was going to be a bigger deal was um, Stallone. Stallone is uh, basically like the first leader of the '80s um, Guardians Galaxy. He's Starhawk, and like you got Stallone, and like uh, Stallone's like very excited to be in the MCU. Um, him and Michael Rosenbaum. Most you guys know who Michael Rosenbaum is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Lex Luthor and also Flash. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. he was the ice man, the, the crystal person in there. And um Michael Rosenbaum was telling a story where with uh where uh Stallone went up to him to the side and was like, Hey, uh are we gonna be back in this in this movie? Because you know, I, I kinda like being Starhawk. I'm like, cool, like man, like you got a big name like Stallone, you could do anything you want, but like I want I get it. He he wants to do a focused, heartfelt story about Rocket. And it makes sense, but man, I was kind of open. I will, yeah, the last movie I wanted was going to be a big blowout against like Adam Warlock, his civilizations, capital ships, and like uh, an, on an Avengers team up of like Starhawks, uh, Vin, um, Ravagers, who were the original Guardians of the Galaxy, and yeah, knock down Dragout with Adam Warlock. Um, but you know, we don't get what we want all the time. Oh, between the Ravagers and the Sovereign. Yes. Oh, and bring back the Milano. I keep on, I keep on <laughs> bugging James Gunn on every bit of social media. Like, so, uh, oh, yeah, I, saw that. There? <laughs> I know. Well, <laughs> you do, you'd have to wonder how much of that was derailed by his dismissal back in 2018. Yes. How many yeah. of those plans he might've had and he had gestating, but then got totally thrown out and he's like, all right, screw you guys. I'm coming back and doing the one movie and I'm fucking out later. Well, I, I got to give it to James Gunn. He is a class act in terms of like just keeping a really good public face. Um, it, you know, he, he, he took his exile gracefully. 
found new work, uh, hit it out of the park, uh, came back to fulfill his obligations, and uh, left with no drama. I would love to hear behind uh, closed doors what he has to say about how Disney treated him. Um, But I'm sure he's too smart that he wouldn't tell it to a civilian and would only tell it to someone who's like, you know, he's directly working. If I were him, I'd probably just want to put it behind me and just move on. I want to know everything he wanted to do with that cosmic universe, but with what the contracts (laughs) I hear they have, like how locked down they are. I I doubt he could ever say it ever. Well, so here's a question I'm kind of curious to run by you. Now with this, we have five complete Marvel trilogies. We have Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and um, Ant-Man. What is the best Marvel trilogy? Um, Guardians. Guardians Guardians and Captain America for me are neck and neck. Like hardcore. Does, does Captain does uh, Captain America really count though? I mean, come on, it's gonna be also a quadrilogy soon. What? Oh, because no. that's, well, well, that's gonna be no, a that's, different Captain I, America. I count that as a new one with uh, Sam as Captain. I want Captain really... counts because, like, even though the first one was tonally and different and with a different um, director, it, it, it fits thematically because, like, um, that first one is a throwback to Indiana Jones. So that its tone and world should feel different, so that he and we feel his uh, displacement when he goes into the present. Which that's a good trilogy. That's a really good trilogy. The only thing, like the only reason why I put it slightly below uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is my favoritism toward Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, my I don't think it's a nitpick that Civil War. There's there's some little bits in there that don't make complete sense, which is uh, how angry uh iron man is at bucky like you know how um mind control works in the sci-fi universe it's not his fault at all like it's if they if they like stuck to their guns with it if they had been had some guts where bucky had been convinced himself to do this because he thinks it's for a greater good and actually by his own free will killed his parents then you got something but they chickened out and they made mind control and therefore there's like a big chunk of like the emotional like struggle in that last part of the trilogy that just doesn't connect with me and there's no big missing parts in Guardians of the Galaxy for me. Well, two things okay. about Civil War quick if I could. Um, yeah. I don't think Civil War is a Captain America movie. It's another Avengers movie. Let's it just is. be honest with ourselves about it. It's Captain <laughs> Steve Rogers had a duology. That's it. But uh, the other part, as far as um, Tony losing it on Bucky at the end there, that always struck me as um, repressed issues that Tony always had about his parents' death and then finding out that Bucky did it. That's the one thing. But I think and what really triggered his anger more was the fact that Steve knew and didn't say anything. And that's what they carried on from that point through Infinity War and Endgame is that Tony knew that Steve knew, and his anger is mostly towards Steve, not towards Bucky. Okay. And also, like, when you're looking through it like a narrative lens, like, in real life, I don't think the average person would be like, man, my friend got mind control. That means it's not always his fault. No, there'd be, like, emotions and, like, biases and, like, all that stuff to a person. When we say that, like, mind control is, is not a person's fault, I think it makes it, like... I guess unrealistic. It makes it like you're seeing, like in this narrative, you're the characters looking at what happens, like as a story perspective and how narrative tropes happen instead of like how an actual person would see it. 
I, I would say it's the opposite. Like, so in the real world, like we forgive people who knowingly fuck up pretty bad. And, and like, if we, in the, in the real world, if we had it even further where it's less their fault and they had no control over it completely, then even more so we're forgiving. But narratively, like we have to use this because it excuses Bucky so that we can keep making money off him and he's not completely evil. We don't have to face that ever. But we still get to have like the pieces there that make him an adversary. That makes sense. I, 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 I've seen the arguments against Civil War. I'm mostly still very positive. I think it showed the Rousseau brothers' talent. They had a huge monumental <clears throat> task. They had to introduce Black Panther. They had to give satisfying arcs to Tony and... um. Uh, they also did introduce Spider-Man, and it managed. Uh, it was one of the very few Marvel films that was buckled under having to do five bajillion mm-hmm. things, but it managed to do most of them successfully. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's why I'm very forgiving for like all the sort of little minor fla- faults that you could give to Civil War. Um, like, they probably honestly should have saved Civil War as a storyline uh, a little bit further down the line. Um, but uh, I, I think the, the, the Captain America trilogy sla- slights a little bit higher just because Captain America is more tortured and i think uh the questions that that it, uh they ask um are a little bit more interesting than something like guardians of the galaxy which is obviously it's more cohesive because guardians has the same writer director in all three of them versus uh captain america and i think the first captain america movie the first act is really good and then the other two acts after are just kind of like mid they're, they're aggressively mid just kind of going through the motions assuming that like because we did such a good job of setting them up you'll you'll like anything that comes after um because like, I think you could have done a lot more with like more like, you know, that generic montage of like Captain America just fighting a bunch right. of Hydra shit. And it's like, oh, really? We're, we're just getting this. We're not getting like good stage set pieces. And, and then I think the point where they just stopped trying was when they had just like a, a bunch of like American U.S. military men just running, not taking cover into like Red Skull's base. And it's like, all right, you're you're your Saturday morning cartoon. Originally, it was kind of like, you know, heightened World War Two. And now we're in saturday morning cartoon territory you know i like the character but uh you're you're not trying as hard uh, um which is what i think makes the first movie kind of like fall apart mm. towards the end not terrible just like aggressively mid but i think um whatchamacallit uh civil uh whatchamacallit winter soldier is great uh it showed that you could do uh different aesthetics and harder uh more harsher aesthetics while also asking real world questions of the difference between security uh, what would you prefer uh safe world uh, or a world with your freedom mm. and the fact that like Captain America like is like burn it all down I'm gonna destroy everything uh, that's been worked to build here because I know it's the right thing to do movies that was so good thematic- that James Bond copied it yeah <laughs> 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 yeah exactly and I still like the Civil War so that's why I rank I, but I think Guardians of the Galaxy is easily the second best trilogy um, Let's see what else. Uh, Thor is probably towards the bottom. Uh, Ant Man, I don't know. Thor and Ant Man are like fighting each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, Thor has one really like... good movie. <laughs> well, Thor well, suffered. Which... Well, Thor's a quadrilogy, but uh, yeah, Thor suffered from having different writers, different tones, different writers and directors. It just, yeah. It, I, I I watched uh, all of the Th- Thor stuff last year before Love and Thunder, and actually came to appreciate it more. Because, I mean, the, the arc that Thor had from that first movie through Dark World, the Avengers movies, and then the, he went through the ringer in Infinity War and Endgame. And 
I was really hoping that they were going to pay that off in Love and mm-hmm. Thunder and then take a pull to take a. So. Yeah, that could, uh, that, that could have been great, but yeah, take a totally dropped the ball with the fourth movie. Kid Majestic, uh, did you like a Dark World or did you hate it like everyone else does? Oh, I hate it like everyone else does. It was so boring. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, folks. I'm sorry. I just hated it. I'm sorry. I got bored. <laughs> I am weirdly defensive of Dark World. Everyone thinks it's like the culture, the the creative nadir of um, uh, fucking MCU. But I, I think Dark World is just fine. Is it great? No, <laughs> but it has like a lot of great Loki stuff. Uh, the dynamic between him and Thor is fun. The villain's kind of boring, but you had some fun portal stuff. And back in an age portal? when nerds went, sh- yeah, portals. Oh my <laughs> god, thinking with portals, with portals. The cake is a lie. Oh, early twenty. 20- <laughs> 10s nerd culture. Um, <laughs> you you, you uh, put north uh, of th- good. Uh, yeah. Well, I I I'd I say it's serviceable. It's serviceable. serviceable. I, I, I do serviceable think mid. that uh, I, I do kind of want to go back to them because, like, at the time, I, I think a, a part of the hate that I remember for part two was the forced 3D and like the muddy black screen that where I couldn't see much. So I wonder, like, if I don't have to worry about the 3D. And I'm not worried about too much. Yeah, I wonder how well it might age for me. Let's put it this way: any 3D that's not done by James Cameron, don't bother. But um, oh, God. I remember that age, the the post converted where every studio was like yes. trying to stick their stupid bullshit in the 3D, and it all looked muddy and horrible. Yeah, um, on, uh, I, I, I podcasted about this with a guy named Stephen Ford uh, years ago, and like he's in the industry as an actor. He's on uh, Comrade Dragon Knight. Uh, he's making some like Halo shorts. He, he had a conversation with like a producer in that age, in that era. And the reason why it happened, he was like, yeah, I talked to him. I was like, could you please stop? And like the producer's like, no, you guys keep shoveling money at us every time we do it. Like, if you want us to stop doing it, please stop like burying us in money every time we do it. Because like, yeah, like anytime they did unnecessarily, like those mon- those movies would just make goo gobs of money. So thankfully they stopped and they quit doing it. Last time I gave their 3D a chance, I went and saw the first Doctor Strange in 3D, which, you know, from the trailers looked like that'd be great with all the yeah. trippy visuals and whatnot. That was terrible in 3D. Yes. I didn't even bother until the second Avatar movie again with 3D in the theater. Any 3D, I'm going to say it, any 3D is just usually just a disappointment. Either that or it's just like minor effects and like you're, you forget about it the next day. I enjoyed it in Avatar. Yeah, the Avatar movies are a great example of well-used 3D. That's or what I'm um, saying. Just the first lean on James Cameron Dragon. for 3D. The first How to Train Your Dragon is the best 3D I've ever experienced ever, like by far. I heard Hugo was really good in the 3D, if you ever saw that. Mm, Martin yeah. Scorsese's only 3D movie. Uh, but like the, 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 very few people use it well. And uh, m- most filmmakers are just like, uh, you know, they, they treat it like a lazy filter that they can throw on to upcharge uh, ticket prices. Um, so like uh, it never really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what do you guys feel that like uh, I, I was I wanted to watch for this, like. Why didn't I like it in Quantumadia? And like, how is it that Guardians of the Galaxy did it right? Like, is there's they're both sci-fi epics, um, but man, Guardians of the Galaxy felt more sincere, felt more cohesive, solid, uh, more directed. I guess this is why. Um, and Quantumadia oh, right. just seemed like flashing the back screen with sci-fi. 
Yeah, that, that's really interesting because aesthetically, if you put them, they, they look almost identical. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Guardians of the Galaxy, everything's built up for it, while Quantum Mania just feels like um, just throwing shit at the screen for no reason. And uh, n- none of the shit has a real story arc. Like you had that one guy from The Good Place who's just there uh, as like a side character. He never really does anything. Uh, you have Ant-Man who, who really, really d- just has no bearing in that universe in that kind of aesthetic uh ant-man is strictly like a ground level hero uh what makes him fun and special is like making stuff big and small so you know that's unique in a um you know earth-based setting in in like a everyday uh normal setting in a sci-fi setting where everyone has a cool gadget it, it just has no value I yeah I I wanted to I was I was ready for him I was like I was not set to hate it um I was like a microverse universe adventure Ant Man sounds like the right one for it but man that didn't do it I I was so curious to hear what your thought of of, uh, was because I'm like on a surface level this is Keith should be going bananas over this this is like all while I was watching it I'm like yeah yeah you guys do you guys are doing it you guys are doing it you guys are doing it Uh, it was a whole bunch of sci-fi goofy for the sake of being goofy though it's on par with love and thunder it's just that the investment from the creatives behind it wasn't there and what you're seeing that come through on the screen and especially like a like a Keith and I were talking when we walked out of Quantumania. It, it, you can tell that the actors aren't interacting with anything that they're seeing yep. around them. There's that dissonance of that you're going to get with green screen because all that crap's put in in post-prod. And they have no idea what they're interacting with. And if the actors on screen aren't invested with what they're, interact, what they're interacting with, why should we be invested in whatever we're seeing on the screen at that point? Versus James Gunn, which, once again, he cares about each one of his starships and they, you know, built out like big parts of that the Bowie, um, which uh, ugly ship, ugly ship. Please give me my Milano back. Um, but I what appreciate the Milano. Did, did it ever get officially destroyed? Um, like Not, uh, it okay. was it, it was in Infinity War, right? No, Milano that was, was destroyed Benatar. in Volume Two when they went through all the Sovereign ships, and then Ego saved them. The Benatar was in. Uh, in uh, oh, it was not Benatar. Uh, you're right. Sorry. Yep. Oh, uh, like <laughs> so I the Infinity. The Milano was destroyed in part two, um, but like at the end of part two, they you saw them using a ray that was reconstructing it that implied that it could be fixed. So that's what that's the last thing you saw the Milano. But um, I think it's the, the Power Ranger thing, um, where every time you have an iter- if you have a chance to do a new iteration for a new toy, don't pass it up. And that's what <laughs> that's they right. Got yeah, here. the Benatar was the ship that they had in Affinity War and Endgame. Mm-hmm. And, Which I got one of those, and I think no. Let's see, because then Hawkeye and Black Widow flew that to the planet to get the uh, Soul Stone from Red Skull, and then Hawkeye flew that back solo after Natasha, Natasha sacrificed herself. So it yeah. still existed somewhere at the end of Endgame, unless it was destroyed during Thanos' uh, Scorched Earth attack. What I kind of wonder is like um, how James Gunn is doing the uh, Peter Quill grow up arc where the Milano was his uh, hot rod and eventually he has to uh, upgrade to a minivan. 
One element I did love is that them getting the classic Guardians uniforms. I, I thought that that was like a nice element of like, you know, we're, we're the fully formed Guardians of the Galaxy. Some people didn't like it, but I was like, no, <laughs> this is a uh, comic book accurate. I, I like it. I like uh, James Gunn go- coming full circle and having these characters like accept their identities uh, as the Guardians of the Galaxy versus just being a ragtag crew yes. that like, you know, walks in slow motion. Uh, I am fully supportive of like, uh, you know, actually taking the comic roots versus just everything being like a shittier version of uh, you know the James Gunn humor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, were you happy that were you happy that Nathan Fillion had like such a big yes. uh, supporting role? Finally, put his face <laughs> on. This. Like it, it seems like they're doing that on purpose to mess with Nathan Fillion fans. Where like when the first uh, Guardians of the Galaxy came out and people were like Nathan Fillion's gonna be able to, all the Firefly fans were like, oh shit, it's gonna be like freaking uh a star jammer or some kind of space oh he's hidden behind a blue blob of an alien all right and then in the second one uh how'd they hide him again uh his uh he had a cameo as uh wonder man but that was cut yeah i thought i think i thought he got to be something else also but then like yeah finally we get to see his face but once again they they dress him up in a freaking suit that looks like a testicle um once again like i feel like they're making fun of like how much people want to see him again in something space oriented and they're like ah we did it again yeah he's in charge of protecting the big fleshy space donut yeah that was a great job <laughs> <laughs> but we got J- to see James him that was cool. had so much uh fun with that like orgo vision uh heist scene where he just got th- that was probably one of the most interesting set designs in uh the mcu that we've seen in a while that just didn't feel yeah that felt like it was like uh you know someone having fun with like uh, getting disney money versus like um ant-man where it just felt like uh you know cgi vomit and i'm sorry i still think the uh Spacesuits for the whole team were inspired by Among Us, not 2001, like Gunn keeps insisting. <laughs> Every time I saw that in the trailer, I'm like, no. they're totally Among Us. They're totally the Among Us characters. I thought it was this like Pac-Man parody picture I ever saw. Like, where... uh, no, officially Gunn said that they're yeah, supposed yeah, to be inspired by a 2001 Space Odyssey's yep. suits, and like, no, that's Among Us. Yeah, they're totally Among brighter, Us. Yeah, brightly colored uh, suits. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out, guys. Here comes the primary colors. Okay, and to their uniforms, I'll say I appreciate that he did it, and it makes sense, and it's a good callback to the comic book that costumes I didn't like. So I'm glad it was done. I I guess, like, I wish that we... That wasn't the only costume we got to see him in, because I prefer the Farscape ripoff costumes that they were using, and I would have loved to see new versions of those very much, especially while... They're maybe going out like you while they're doing like official, um, uh, head was a space head business. Uh, when they're doing that, then yeah, have them in uniform. But when they're like you know going out to just save their friend, it would have been cool to see them in I love their space cowboy costumes. I loved that. Like, I loved his um, uh, first leather duster that is straight out of Farscape. Love that costume. Oh, and space head, you mean uh, nowhere. Yes, nowhere. Yeah, okay. the space head. Yeah, was I the only one who was kind of taken aback that he actually asked for them to jump in and take on the high evolutionary ship when it's fully populated with civilians? I mean, I get the fact that one of the eyes extends out to be a massive ion cannon. But oh yeah, um, it, I was wondering the lives of everyone in the community that they're building out nowhere. Like, yes, um, I was y'all like, should just like... jump the fuck back out as soon as you zap the evolutionary ship. 
it would have made a bit more sense if we saw a lot of way more people running around in Guardians of the Galaxy uniforms and that like nowhere is a battle station. But yeah, they definitely make nowhere look like a village. So that was definitely odd. Yeah, I thought that was a little well, cavalier. Well, one thing that I also kind of confused me though was um what exactly was their reason to for breaking up? They all just had other shit. I don't know. To me, that was like I would have rather they they had a few of them die than just like the the meek. You know, ah, oh, I've got shit to work out. Peter has to go back to Earth. Uh, Mantis wants to go venture. Drax is gonna be a father again for all these adopted kids. Uh, I, I I don't know. I, I, there was something about it that just made me feel like ah, oh, this is kind of like a, a weak sauce ending uh, to just um, have uh, what you call them just like quietly disband without some sort of uh s- central catalyst that like uh mm-hmm. but uh, you know i guess technically the team doesn't end since a uh, rocket takes over uh but like uh, it just felt like a l- little bit like uh, uh why are you all separating why is this the reason you disband in story i don't know out story he wanted to make sure that all of his friends could get jobs in the future <laughs> like yeah I, i'm positive like he went to each of where do you want your character to be uh no you're not killing drax sorry what else would you like him to do <laughs> well i, I and, feel like um, he wanted, I think dave batista said he didn't want to or i don't know maybe, maybe uh feige the feige bot stepped in and says no no we, we we've got 10 10 10 but we got five more appearances in that 10 appearance contract uh batista's coming back whether he <laughs> wants to or not we're we gonna got a lot <laughs> We got a nice lot of Drex toys in there. Sir. Nice She-Hulk reference. <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 we're gonna throw him in the Eternals as a hail mary to like try and save him. I, I'm I'm guessing it's the same reason why they didn't kill Han Solo. It's because there's a lot of still there's a lot of Drax toys still in circulation, and no one wants to buy a dead character. As, yeah, like you know, Han Solo wanted to die, but like he's like no. I'm still selling console over action figures. And you know what? Um, once again, like I'm totally okay with it. Like sometimes, like sometimes I do want my happy ending for my heroes. That I love so much. Like um, the end of Picard. Sure. You know, the, and they even, they even thought about it, but the creator was like, no, like uh, he, he, I think he even re- uh, referenced return of the Jedi. He's like, um, when you have this much love and fun with characters, when you step away from it, you just want your imagination to keep flowing. And like, know that they're still out there doing whatever it is in your imagination. They belong to you. Enjoy it. And then Disney Star Wars comes along and says, no, we're going to kill all of them. And you're going to like it. Like, no, this isn't like, sometimes it's not the place for that. Sometimes it's hey, not the kid, place for it. Kid, kid Majestic, how hyped are you for that uh, Ray movie? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I was be honest. I thought Disney completely abandoned the sequels. <laughs> I thought they were like, yeah, we're not done. We're done with this. We're gone. We're doing this. We're just doing whatever Mando's doing. We're done with the sequels. I'm I'm hoping that maybe they learn a lesson. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> maybe 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 we'll just have a new like maybe Dave Filoni. Maybe Dave Filoni can do something. I don't know. I you don't know. It almost oh. feels like they're making the Ray movie as an apology, but I don't know how sincere the apology is going to be or if they even truly understand what they're apologizing for. I don't see an apology. I see angry spite. Like, uh, um, <sighs> what I saw with, like, so, like, uh, they, they, they told, like, the, rise, the reason, reason why, like, Rise of Skywalker is, like, it's a shit all show. Over the, 
all the movie, the movie admits that it's a shit show. Like no one, like in the interviews, the people are like, it's not the fans fault this time. They're not blaming the fans for not being cool enough to, to understand it. People involved were like, yeah, ugh, oh yeah, that wasn't too good. So I'm glad they finally admitted it. And then Mandalorian comes along and everybody's in love with Star Wars again. Everybody's cheering. And this definitely wasn't the Kathleen Kennedy joint. So I just kind of felt like Kathleen Kennedy was like, these are my toys. And <laughs> that's why like the Mandalorian ended so strangely. And all of a sudden after that ending, that ended strangely for Mandalorian. Now race back. You guys are going to like it. And that's what I'm seeing. You know, my uh, uh, idea for like a Star Wars sequel would have been, hmm. I'd say, I say if they want real apology, they make a, they remake it, but instead of like having it be set like afterwards, where like all the characters are like all the old gen like original trilogy characters are still alive, just make it cyberpunk, man. Just like have it like I don't know, million years <laughs> in the future. Make yes. it like all new characters, all new like yes. kind of like setting, like make it like uh, like really cool, like maybe like uh like mecha uh like stuff that the Jedi have. Like let's go wild with it. Let's go like Cyber super rise. wild with like. Let's go like really wild with like uh, the setting of like a futuristic, futuristic uh, Star Wars because Star Wars is already like futuristic, but like be more futuristic, be more like be more like new technology because like I remember seeing like in the visions like how they had like all those cool lightsaber stuff. Why do we have that in Star Wars? Uh huh. Why don't we have like the lightsaber uh, umbrella or the lightsaber like uh, katana? Let's have like let's go wild with the Star Wars setting. We have the property, don't we? I've mean, been on. saying this. Like their best bet to save Star Wars is to do a gigantic time jump and the characters to acknowledge um we don't know what happened after Return of the Jedi, and then like make just k- tiny hints that like maybe the extended universe happened, maybe the sequels happen. Therefore, the fans who like either can keep either. But we go on and they gotta do something also, just one last big thing that says, and no, Luke Skywalker doesn't suck. But if they're just going to keep going with this, then good luck. Because like that, that's going to be the first movie I'm glad to not see in the theater. I am so curious. I, I just want to see if it's going to make theaters. Yes. Uh, like I don't think I, I don't think it will. I think Indy's going to bomb. And uh, oh wow, you know, you're right. Uh, oh, real quick on Indy bomb. So like, um, Guardians of Galaxy didn't do that good. Uh, um, oh, I was yeah. really betting on Guardians of the Galaxy, like being like. So I, I thought, like, my thing was like the re- reason why all these movies aren't doing great is because it's not a sincere thing. It's not really done by a career that everyone loves. But Guardians of the Galaxy, that's gonna do good. But it's the Guardians of the Galaxy got hit too. Like they barely did better than Ant Man. They're struggling to get past. Um, they're like they at, at only three hundred and three hundred million. And like they the last movie hit eight hundred million. They did worse than Love and Thunder. I mean, I God got damn it. Does this does this spell? I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna ask all of you this. Does this spell the end of the MCU and spell the future of James Gunn uh, DC EU? I wonder. Um, so uh, I, can I go first? That, that yeah, go first because that that is a really interesting question. I say no. Like they always have enough money for a billion chances beyond this until they find good artists to really revive it so they can keep failing. And um, so the thing I was wondering is like, so, Oh shit. Like I expected Guardians of the Galaxy three to do really good. And therefore it's about the art and the artist. And therefore um, when Indiana, Indiana Jones hits, 
people love Indiana Jones too sincerely. And like uh, James Gold never, James Mangold never misses. So that's going to make a lot of money. But now I'm wondering, and now I also kind of wonder like whether it's good or not, whether it's by the by good artists or not. Uh, I wonder if like the people behind DC are like doing Marge Simpson concerned grumbles now going, uh, our golden boy uh, just kind of <laughs> didn't knock it out of the park. Oh shit. So like, yeah, everybody should be worried now. Well, to add on to that, um, I think the reason why Guardians isn't performing as well is, um, one, the Guardians never really went away. Um, so th- they were always kind of there, whether it was in uh, appearing in the Guardians uh, holiday special, uh, Thor, Love and Thunder. So for that, there wasn't like this hunger of them coming back. Uh, it also didn't hurt the help that like MCU for MC phase four is filled with like sub James Gunn slash Josh Whedon humor. So by, by turn, people have turned against that sort of Marvel style of humor. Like, <laughs> Hey guys, can you believe we're in this situation? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that happened. Well, I think even Feige, even Feige has to admit that they diluted their own product because, I mean, you look at the run times for Phase 3. Phase, if you watch all the Phase 3 movies, it's 24 hours of content if you're going to make it through. Take a wild guess of how many hours of content you have to wade through from the fire hose they put out with Phase 4. I'm going to guess 60 hours or 70 hours. Pretty close. 58 hours. Ooh. <laughs> That's a lift. That's a commitment. And if I was a consumer being told to consume 58 hours of content and having it only really make me give a damn for about, I don't know, three or four hours of it, I get a little turned away, too. Yeah, because yeah, I, I just feel like it's even if this is like the best version, this is from the source. I feel like just the um, negative association that's been piling up is just kind of it, it does not help that you have like Ant-Man uh, a few months earlier, which looks almost like, you know, aesthetically, uh, you know, if you put posters or, or movie trailers, it looks very similar. Like, I, I'm sure my dad could, would be confused. Like, oh, wait, Guardians of the Galaxy, didn't that just come out a few months ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, 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 this movie was supposed to be like my uh, proof that, like, nah, man, like, Indiana Jones is not in trouble. We're, we're in for a good future, <laughs> so long as it's not done by uh, creators that we care about. And then, fucking hell, three hundred million, like, compared to eight hundred million of that last Guardians movie. Like, well, it's still it, early in its cycle, but you're you're right. It, it feels like it's not going to go to like seven hundred plus million or a billion mm, like it mm. should have. It, it feels like it's going to like get just either barely limp to five hundred million, mm. uh, or maybe get a little bit over there. You know, which in MCU and uh, you know two hundred and fifty million dollar blockbuster terms is considered to be a huge disappointment, especially because the pro- the the budget was two hundred fifty million. But no, their parents blew all their budget going to see a Super Mario Brothers multiple times in the last month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Though, did you guys notice that uh, Chris Pratt has been a part of two number one movies in a row with No Sleep Till Brooklyn from the BC Boys in it? <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah th- that was one song drop I kind of like, really? <laughs> we're, we're doing the Beastie Boys thing again? No Sleep Till Brooklyn? <laughs> I, mean, I, I, yeah, I know Keith will touched on it earlier but i i love james gunn's musical taste and how he applies it to his movies but it was a little excessive in this movie it was just needle <laughs> drops for the sake of needle drops like 
Yeah, damn it, James. I, I, I think I mean, I, like, the, the only things the only things that saved it for me was the fact that a he managed to use Radiohead's "Creep" in a way that actually gave, made me give a shit about that song again because that's one of the Radiohead songs I can't stand anymore, and even so, the guy who wrote that song, Tom York, can't stand the song anymore either. Oh damn! Yeah, um, the ending dance scene with the set to the Florence and the Machines, "Dog the Dog Days Are Over." That was great. I mean, they mm-hmm. even showed a clip of uh, Florence Welch, the singer from that band, watching the movie and actually crying during that Aww. because it was, she was getting into it so much. So, ah. And you look in, I don't know if you guys ever checked out uh, Gunn's Spotify account sometime, but he, had, I, I'm, I'm in love with his musical taste. He just has bunches of playlists on there. He, he basically regards music the same way I do. He just soundtracks everything, and it's fantastic. Cool. So, yeah. And, and I, 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 I the, appreciate, the, that's why I appreciated the Volume 3. I mean, it was basically played out like a visual mixtape of his, and he even admits that he thinks up specific songs for scenes and then he even plays the songs while they're filming some of the scenes so everybody on the cast can get in the mood of what he's trying to do with that scene Mm. but he might have gone a little over the top with this one yes absolutely i i was good i like i I, i'm positive i rolled my eyes when like the one another just another one hit i'm like okay not every scene needs like your freaking (laughs) b-side music not every yeah, I think um, maybe that's the, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy. We're all pretty positive, but there, there are like, you know, we kind of wanted it a home run while it feels like a really good third hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but also like there's some fatigue, like Jesus Christ, James Gunn, where, you know, we don't need every fucking needle. Tra-. And it was interesting when it was like, like the first two Guardians films worked uh, really well because it was like, you know, it was central to the story. Peter Quill had this mixtape for when he left Earth, uh, which was like uh, the first one was like 70s music, right? Uh, well, the first two movies, they were primarily 70s and music for his mom. Yeah. Well, and then the second one, because he got the, he found the second mixtape from his mom, and that had 80s music, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had a few more 80s-centric music. That's true. So yeah. so each one had, well, this one just felt like it was all over the place of, like, early 2000s, mid-90s, so it felt a little less cohesive. And I, I think the, the end well, point that was... was the, uh, that was kind of the joke because Yandu had found that Zune player because you know, haha, Zune player. Nobody has those anymore. <laughs> well, oh, such I a love gigantic that failure so by Microsoft. I love that so much that I'm always on the cusp of buying one. I love that they did that so much. You know, I, I've, they I've made up... them in what 15 years? Oh yeah, I've I've looked them up a couple times. You can still they still work, but like they're did always you ever, way too did, expensive. Did you ever play with one? No, I, I remember hearing back in the day when I was listening to tech uh, podcasts that everyone loved it. Yeah, the UI that Microsoft made for that music player was actually kind of great. It's a bubble-based uh, UI, like you see yeah. now on like Android and Apple. And yeah, like the tech podcasts I listen to, they're like, just so you know, everybody's making fun of this, but this is the better music player. Well, everybody's making fun of it because it was Microsoft obviously trying to jump onto the same train that Apple had been yep. dominating at that point. But the, the UI on the Zunes was, it was actually very logical and very fluid and actually kind of one of my buddies had one and I played with it for a couple days and I'm kind of bummed that it didn't take off. Hey, Gen Z kid here over here. What the fuck is a Zune? Uh, <laughs> Zune was Microsoft's uh, competitive product to Apple's iPod. Oh. Yeah, because uh, Apple, Apple kind of really was the big mainstream pioneer of the digital music player and the first one who really got out into the public consciousness you know holy crap i can carry around 300 songs on a little digital device and i don't have to haul around my cd wallet or booklet anymore hooray 
then Microsoft tried desperately to follow that up and to play it just catch never caught on. Because like I was one of the people who thought that was dumb. I was like, "You're gonna spend fucking eight hundred dollars for that music? That's that's that. No one's gonna do that. That'll never catch on." Oh wait, oh shit, everybody's doing it. Oh wait, this is actually good. And by the time I had one, I didn't need a Zune. Now you fast forward to nowadays, and everybody plops down twelve hundred dollars a year for a new cell, new uh, mobile phone. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> didn't see that coming. I was like, thousand dollars for a phone. That'll never work. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Oh, oh, here we are. We are such relics of our generation. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any other notes? Um, I think my, most of my notes have been covered. Um, I have a question. Please. Hmm. So, so James Gunn has said that, uh, repeatedly that <laughs> thinks as the Guardians trilogy as like Rocket's story and in the movie, uh, Lila says to Rocket, this has always been your story. I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with James Gunn on this. I'm going to say uh, I'm going to do a little controversial take. I think this has been more Nebula's story than Rocket's story. If there's ever a, like a secondary character whose stories have uh, the trilogy has been focused on more. Nebula got a lot of great material, and I do think Nebula has like one of the stronger arcs uh, of like MCU side characters, which is kind of like being this angry person, but then just also being an angry person who's like willing to work with other people, but still has like uh, I don't know. Uh, there was like one thing the comment in like the Critical Drinkers review. He was like, "Oh, why is she so always so angry and yelling at people?" And like that—that's her defining ca- characteristic. She's traumatized, and that's how she deals with things. Mm. But the whole, her whole arc is that she um, eventually, like uh, you know, she's still standoffish but she uh learns to work with people and become more cooperative i, I think like james gunn sees it because um like i said at the beginning like the whole story that we're seeing was built around uh rocket like when he was like thinking about like um guardians galaxy and like how marvel was like yeah it's space guys with bugs bunny and then he was like no wait it's a tortured uh character who doesn't belong anywhere we all been through that we all feel it and blossoming around that uh, idea, we have the trilogy we have now. So, oh, um, I did. Oh, did you want to reply to that? Um, I I like Rocket a lot. I think Bradley Cooper gives a great vo- vocal performance, mm-hmm. especially like in the final scene where he says, "I'm Rocket Raccoon." Where you know originally that yes. was kind of like a, that that was a nice moment because originally he he hated the raccoon thing as like a um, you know derision. And he's I'm like, "Don't don't call, I'm not a raccoon." But then he sees like the little thing, Phyllis uh, Raccoon from Earth, and he like kind of accepts it and he accepts his name. But to me, but it, it, was, it, it kind of made me wonder because he was on Earth during the blip and it's like you didn't happen to see any raccoons when you're on earth with the avengers i go long periods of time i've never seen raccoons yeah well yeah it just i don't know it kind of made me question it a little bit but yeah anyway um, I mean, it, was, it made for a nice character moment in volume three i'll give them that mm-hmm. but i still think it's still the star lord show though yes yeah star especially lord, part yeah. two our Lord gets all the best lines. Uh, he's the charismatic. He, he's the Han Solo who got to be the Luke Skywalker, which was like, like, which was like the magic of the character. Um, but, you know, it's kind of a shame that like, um, well, so uh, kid, kid mystery. Would you say that the uh, like Guardians films kind of felt like your Star Wars when you were like growing up with these movies? Um, if because like I did, uh, it wasn't that far along with the prequels where I wasn't like familiar with them growing up uh, the sequels certainly weren't my star wars certainly not 
Um, I, I'd say if there's anything besides like Star Wars that I would grow attached to, I'd say it would be Guardian, like hands down. Not Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings or anything like that. Would you say? Uh, I was like, like, I'd watch those movies. I remember reading like The Hobbit back when I was a kid, but I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't say I would be as much of a fan as I was with like Star Wars and Guardian compared right. to like Harry Potter and like uh, Lord of the Rings. Cool. So, I guess the so like when when I guess I say Star Wars, I mean as a kid, the big fantasy world that filled up my mind uh, and like where I would want to explore. Um, would that be the MCU for you then? Yes, that would be the MCU. I'd say. All right. I was kind of wondering if they actually managed to do that. Where I remember like the first time I heard someone say, "I like Marvel movies," I was like, "What? Oh shit! People are noticing this is Marvel." Like well, it's just like. We come from a time where like people didn't know the difference that, that there was a difference between Marvel and DC. Although I, I got to bring you back for in the era, you know, this writer strike. People have been like um, reminiscing about the last writer strike in two thousand seven mm-hmm. uh, and two thousand and eight. Uh, and you remember Heroes? Uh, that, that yes. Brief- <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Damn. The tragedy. I remember nerd Whoa. television was like so excited about it. Like, yeah, yeah. finally <laughs> a mainstream version of our stories that people are actually liking. This is it. This is, this is our time to shine. And then it just kind of like collapse on itself. But my favorite was like um, how each one would have that, like, you know, that like fucking um, Indian music. Oh my they, they, they would have the guy and he would just give some sort of meaningless monologue, like something from Picard that would sound, uh, you know, change is coming but what does change mean Man. changes for ourselves like oh, season two picard writing oh. what show <laughs> ate more shit than heroes that was brutal that they're like yeah that was the, the event show and then I, I remember like the moment where it turned and it was like uh the boy who could fly took the girl who can't take harm on a billboard and he was like i just don't want you to hurt anymore and like you just heard the entire plan go, oh, oh. so yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I, don't I, know, I stopped watching that about halfway through second season. I was so bummed by that. Now that that is a show that deserves a five hour video essay re- recapping its cultural significance and going through all the insane <laughs> plot points. Um, it, it just feels like the kind of thing that like the generation forgot that was like such a big deal. Because I remember it was like, "Hero, come huge. watch the latest episode of Heroes, and we'll have the premiere trailer for Fantastic Four: The Super the Silver Rise of the Silver Surfer, and we'll also have X Men Three premiere trailer." And it was like, "Oh yeah." Oh, this is so cool marvel nerds unite <laughs> and it was like we were getting so excited for these like reheated fucking scraps compared to what the mcu would become later on save the cheerleader save the world yeah save the cheerleader save the world Yatta! <laughs> oh my god oh man right? yeah and, and like uh one of my favorite um things around that was like uh the, one of the first uh conventions i ever went to is the, the very first power ranger convention which blew all of our minds it's like one of the first times on the internet, all of us geeks actually got to see each other, and we're like, whoa, holy shit, this, it's real, and then the stars actually from Power Rangers started walking among us, and we're like, oh my god, this is real, and then one of them from Power Rangers um, Magic Force, free was called, um, he was a Heroes fan, and like, he told us that the the monument, the, the, the first finale was around, um, was just around the corner, and like, we all went around the corner, and did the uh, hero exploding in front of it so 
yeah, the the zeitgeist back then was huge for heroes. That was such a great moment. And then it's the worst show that I never want to remember. But that first season, man. The only good thing to come out of the first that last writer's strike was Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. Oh, yes. (laughs) And the worst casualty to me of this strike is uh, uh, Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai, I thought, was done. But, uh, yeah, they stopped production. And Cobra Kai is now going to be delayed. Like, of all the shows, I I, I wasn't worried about anything. Because, like, there's not much coming out that I am caring that much about. Cobra Kai. Oh, come on. You're getting a Babylon 5 animated movie next month. Be happy. Oh. Wait, that's coming out <laughs> next month? Or they're going to start? Uh, that's what I thought I saw. That I'm unexpectedly... Unexpectedly I'm glad to go back there. Release time. I'm glad to go back to the Babylon Five universe. So that's gonna be fun. Oh, uh, I, really I really hope this strike actually like yields some results for like actual creators. And I honestly think that more like in, uh like creatives uh like like artists or like uh CGI artists or like all that should be more striking because like the industry right now is so fucked right now. Like the like it's all just like it's becoming more of like a a uh like a gimmick job and not like an actual job which it should be. Like artists like in the industry are being like so underpaid. And I really hope like this strike actually tells executives, hey, pay us more money and stop respect uh stop disrespecting uh I... your people who work for you. Uh, I guess I've been peeking at economics more and more lately, and uh, I, I want that too, the ideal, but it's not as simple as we think it is, and there's like some hard math that some people should have been doing. And there's, there's there's smart people out there. It, it, it needs to be fixed, but just, I guess maybe them striking will maybe make them finally make those smart people do that math that can finally oh, get people paid for the music. It's so weird the this streaming world because it, it feels like it's a like um you made a lot more if you were like, you know, working on Big Bang Theory mm-hmm. or uh, you know, you're on a like cuz you you got like syndication rights uh yeah. and so like it was funny a, a while ago I was doing like Lyft and I was um uh, and I was driving around the stunt actress, uh, and she was like, "Show me uh, her like uh, you know SAG AFTRA payments." And it, you know, oh, she got four thousand dollars for this one day where her episode would re-air, and it uh, it was like a great system. But as far as I know, I don't think there's anything comparable in the stream world where uh, you know if your episode gets X amount of streams, you get like a royalty for it. It's just like a flat rate. Oh, um, did you see uh, uh, Chato talk about that? Uh, I think, uh, did, did he go into depth for it? I think I saw one of the videos. You yeah. looked, but I don't know if he did anything more recently. He, he mentioned how like part of the math of like why you don't get paid, um, for, for like stuff. Well, well, you don't cause like, like nobody's making money on streaming. And then like what money gets made on streaming is like new shows. And then that brings in more subscribers. But if you're watching yeah, I, if you're binging some one. old show, yeah. If, if you're binging an old show, that's not bringing in new subscribers. All you're doing is not, you're not putting more money in anybody's pockets. You're taking more money and bandwidth from the company. And therefore the company is like, and you want me to give more money away for that? Cause like, yeah, like the, that's the, the problem with streaming is like the, the stream model that was going on right now, only a few players are making any kind of money and everybody else is just like tanking and not making money. So the writer saying, 
give me money from stuff you're losing money on. And that's a hard thing to figure out the math on. Yeah, that, that, that's I think what the, the like I, I feel like the streamers aren't making as much money as they like to think uh, you, you they are uh, from mm-hmm. uh, uh, what you call I, I think that the whole distribute real realistically I think we're gonna go back to something similar to cable where it, basically you'll have like a premium tier where you could just pay a premium price to get everything without commercials but I think uh, we're gonna get streaming's basically gonna run back into cable where you, most of it's ad supported and you go oh. onto these live streams channels and people kind of like that just having something on in the background and you'll see like a rise of that where you just have their catalog will uh, things implode hard enough to sh- to rock us back to the stone ages because like yeah like there's um those actors who are talking about how one of the reasons why we're you know not getting as much great stuff as we used to is that like if a movie movie comes out and it doesn't do well in the theater they were always like that's fine because we will always make our money back in dvd sales and that once we lost that, then that lost a lot of like the risk that anyone could ever take. So I I do kind of wonder if the if if the, if companies can just say I'm sorry, everyone, we can't afford to do this anymore. We're just not going to. I'm so sorry. And then like a world could come back where like physical media mattered again. Well, physical like, media has already kind of uh, like had a resurgence. It's become record players just because like the cloud is mm. always changing. I, I don't know. I, I feel like DVD people are buying DVDs just because like they want that episode of Community where they have the dark elf and, uh, you know, they don't want like the man to tell you, oh, it doesn't, uh, it could offend somebody in today's sensibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, fuck you. Uh, I, I'm going to have it in this cloud where it will never disappear. <laughs> um, uh, so I feel like that's kind of like putting a premium and, and it's weird like on ebay there's this huge market for like old games from like uh, you know the t- ps2 era mm-hmm. uh where, where people are just having this affection towards uh, physical media and i feel like the digital age originally was like oh my god you can have everything netflix is all, all the time this is so amazing but then uh once you started taking things and uh you couldn't find things else consistently um yeah i, I think the entire someone's got to come up with a new model uh i think uh you can't just you're not making the kind of money you need from it uh and uh chat shadow's probably right uh you know once you have a subscriber and they're just eating up bandwidth uh, for older material uh there's got to be a a more effective way to monetize that so yeah i don't like and then like uh um south park made fun of this um at the last uh writer strike they're like yeah we want that internet money and like the, the 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 executives in that cartoon were like, "There's no money, like what? We don't know what to give you." And then like the writer strike was resolved by giving them like, um, uh, like was it certificates to Applebee's? They're like, <laughs> "Yeah, all right, we won." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I I I do hope it because like yeah, like the, the uh, we've we've seen the stories of people in like the special effects industry just like you know killing themselves to make the stuff and. To me, like writers should have always meant more than they do in the industry because the, the greatest stuff we have is because of great writers, but we don't like we don't really see like huge well, awards for them. Here, here's the thing that I I also think is going to hurt the writer strike a lot. Hmm. Um, what what I keep on seeing is like you know the Adam ruins everything. <clears throat> Adam Condover in like my tweets. Yeah, and, and like uh, I, you know I want to be a writer. I want to get into the Valhalla of the writers' room. That's my ultimate dream. These should be my peers in arms. But every time I see him, I'm like, 
yeah, you know what? Fuck you. You should starve. <laughs> oh, which I was a, thinking exactly that. Just an um, awful like thing, push, to, which is an pushback, awful, which is an awful thing to think. But like after 2022, when you just had like one shitty thing after another, uh, yeah, yes. g- g- you know, oh, the, the 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 people who are doing um a hot D, give them all the shit. But uh, the ranks of power, <laughs> yes, like <laughs> she. Do I really want to make people who make She Hulk or Rings of Power richer? Like. Am I really like? I guess like I was thinking about that. I was like, um, the people who just make stuff that like I hate, like you know. But I, I think like I think we're looking to focus, like I, this yeah. is the broad industry. Uh, that, that, that is, uh, but like we shouldn't be rewarding. Be, I, I, we, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. Like I feel like. Well, sorry, I feel like if we're having it. Oh, sorry. No, no. Go on. Uh, go, go, do your thought. Oh, uh, if you're if you're having like if I feel like if you pay them more, we get better writers, and we don't get these uh, She Hulks or Rings of Power. If we give them more like respect in the industry, we don't have to go to the bottom of the barrel, like uh, bad dialogue, bad writing, bad everything stuff. Because like I feel like right now we're due to like this like this res- not much ex- respect for like the writers, and not much pay for the writers is like causing them them to get like go t- to the Dark, uh, darkest reaches for these shows, and like having like the XX like metal in like the writers like uh like room, and like making them like executive like choices for uh the writers is making like these like awful awful shows. Sort of and, like like I I've, I've been trying to I've been tracking like this kind of stuff where like um I think making people hungry makes for better art, and I don't I don't want this to be the way it is. But like when people are more comfortable, and like if you get get rich off of like you know bad art, then you don't have to worry hard. You don't have to try hard, and the less, yeah, the more money you give someone, the more like like I think like I've seen like creators, the more richer they get, the more power they get, the less good the art gets. Well, so I don't want that to be the solution. I don't want to say beg for our money and then make good art, but. Yeah, something needs to be done. Oh, here's my suggestion. I think the big problem is, you know, a lot of the diversity and inclusion thing, uh, which, you know, I, I don't think it's inherently wrong to have more diverse stories or more diverse people telling it. But I do think that a lot of people who get picked for these big projects don't necessarily have the qualifications or interest outside of the, the Disney paycheck. What I really think uh, the Disney's and the Netflixes need to do is they need to have like a Blumhouse division where they put the up and coming talent and give them like, you know, a cheap t- TV show or a cheap $5 million movie. Uh, you know, uh, Jordan Peele became a name because he made Up, or not Up, uh, Get Out for like 4 or $5 million. And like, if you can't make a great movie uh, with those resources, then uh, what the hell? That's what made the, the original MCU great, is that you took chances on people who wouldn't get the chance. But now you're getting Fully people agreed. who haven't quite earned the chance and get... <laughs> And you kind of yeah, get this this sort create of create in house the world that we used to have where like you know you have a Joss Whedon that's coming up, you had a James Gunn that's coming up, and show that they are the ones that have proven with little money that they can create great things and then give them the big projects versus I guess the kind I think good idea. Even though they are trying to do that anyway, because the Rick and Morty writers did do great things with little things. And now in the big stage, now they're not doing that <laughs> they're great. Not doing that great. <laughs> oh, uh, there's yeah. It, 
crapshoot. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting because I mean, I guess Keith, you are right. Like uh, pilfering the Rick and Morty uh, staff feels like it, it it should be equivalent of that, but uh, it has not reached. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's hard to say. Was it because you know they had the Dan Harmon overseeing it, and that's kind of what still gave Rick and Morty the edge? And if you yeah. put them out of that, they're just more of a bland product. Um, but yeah, it just feels like something's not working. And I, I feel like getting public support, uh, for like the writer strike when it's like, you know, uh, yeah, the people who made Witcher blood origin, uh, they deserve more royalties or the resident evil TV show <laughs> that ruined Lance Reddick's one last few, uh, living performances. Yes. <laughs> he cosplays his Give them more money. Give them. No. Well, yeah. So, yeah. Something needs to be figured out. I still out. hope that they overall win, but like, there's a part of me, the angry little monkey, that that that, that like, whenever I just can't, Adam Conover, you you were doing more hurt. Just just, just go in a in a hole. Just 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 stop posting on Twitter. Just go away. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they, they need to make their like an in-house Bloomhouse or A24 and like let's watch them just give them a little money and like this is your audition for the the big times. Go for it and start creating some new artists that we do it's need. Like uh I- They'll make beef suddenly on you. Uh, you know, actually, well, speaking of like positive and diversity and stuff, like, uh, you know, it was actually pretty interesting that I saw a lot of good clips. Did any of you see the Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur TV show? Oh, yeah, I uh, yeah, I keep on seeing little yeah. bits of it, and it looks really impressive. It's from this like Australian studio that like knocks it out of the park with all their animations. They did like Rise of the TMNT. Uh, they did this other thing called Lego Monkey Kid, uh, which was like really well animated, and uh, it just looks like uh, oh wow, this is this is a fun little project. Oh, this is this is a nice little space where it seems like it's uh, going really hard uh, and being really creative for something that um, where, where you have that kind of freedom. That's the one that just popped up on D plus about a couple yep, months ago, yeah, right? Yeah, that's the one. I think overseen by Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, the creators we should be giving money to are Team Cobra Kai. <laughs> they get it. They are the only ones that deserve Team it. Cobra Kai only. Say what? I was saying. I was saying uh, say only Cobra Kai and only. <laughs> yes. Well, so um, I guess we're kind of. I, I got to get going soon. Uh, Kid Mysteries probably got to get going soon for his prom. Uh, but one thing, right. one final thing I, I, I want to throw uh, yeah, in before we go to the final thoughts. Uh, Kid Mystery, how are you looking forward to the Marvels? The Marvels. Uh, I didn't. I, okay, Keith knows this. I didn't really like the first Marvel uh, Captain Marvel movie. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'll be honest. I haven't watched like a lot of the Disney TV shows. Like I just kind of gave up on the Disney <laughs> Plus TV shows. What was the last think. one you saw? She Hulk. <laughs> and I couldn't even finish that. Um, but honestly, I think I might just skip this one Marvel movie. It's really the first one I wow. missed. You know, like there's nothing interesting, interesting to me. Like Kamala Khan. Like I don't think the writing is gonna be good for like Kamala Khan. I don't. I don't think the characters of Captain Marvel or Mocker and Bar are gonna be very interesting. I just I don't think the plot from what I've seen from the leaks, I don't think the plot's gonna be good. I don't think do you hear okay, can I give like since I don't think any of you really care about the uh movie, can I give you like a little spoiler of like a, a part of it? I wanna hear yes. Apparently there's gonna be a musical right, section in this movie. Oh no. Yep. <laughs> yep. There's gonna be a whole ass musical, like uh 
old like planet scene. I don't know if they're gonna keep it, but like it's it was definitely planned. That's <laughs> like a like a whole song and dance show in like there. Uh huh. I, I, I've only had more I have more of a curiosity for it. I, I like I can imagine going to see it if like I, I just have that much extra money laying around. There's that little going else going on. And, and also so like gonna... couch command up episode. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, <laughs> but yeah, that's that one I'm not uh, I'll say like um the trailer has very much tricked me into thinking that it might be good though. Because I do love that trailer, oh, but really? um, trailer, really? that music. I mean, it's. A, it, oh no, no, I, I, I'm, I'm being manipulated. I can tell. I'm not saying that's going to yeah, be good. Oh, I mean, I, I can tell. So yeah, yeah, I can tell. I can tell that I, I'm saying it outright. I'm being manipulated. I don't think it's actually going to be good, you're, but I do enjoy the trailer. You're, the music you're just biased because they pick Intergalactic, and it seems like a good song for them. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, like when, like. I, the, the, the editing and cutting they did to it had me like bobbing my head and there's like this moment where like the whole bunch of people do this like dance move to it. I'm like, ah, oh, cool. But like, I get these kind of trailers now. Like, I'm not fully tricked on saying that this is a good trailer. The trailer just looked and it just took a lot of people. It just looked like, uh, oh, crap. Are the special effects not done? Yeah. It just looked like uh, they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're like pinching money. <laughs> if, you, if you told me that was a TV show, I would completely believe you. Like, even Monica Rambo's mm. costume just looked like baggy and cosplay uh, and not like, you know, that too usual tight leather you associate with like a MCU costume. Just e- everything about it looked like really, really cheap. And hey, maybe she was dressing for comfort, man. Give her a break. <laughs> and because Jeez. DJ unlocked the ability really hard on me, is uh, how much I can tell how many of the actors aren't in the same room at the same time. Oh yeah, oh, I just realized that like weeks ago, of, like of like scenes where like they're not in the same room. Yep, uh, like um, clearly not in there. Well, it's like we were <laughs> talking earlier. It's like we were talking earlier about Quantum Mania. Just yes. there was that dissonance with all the a- actors with not actually understanding what they're interacting with in the frame at any given time. It's, or like how like Bill Murray definitely was not there with the rest of the crew. Like you could t- like, every time you cut to Bill Murray was the back of a body double of of the person listening to him, and then also like in the Marvels trailer when um, Captain Marvel lands in the living room of Kamal Khan's family. Like every shot is completely you're using a body double to <laughs> that you can tell that's a reshoot, but they're like, uh, let's do this here, uh, we'll figure it out in, in post. Don't worry about it. And so yeah. what are the ro- yeah, I, 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 I seem to hate uh Brie Larson as Captain Marvel a lot less than most people do. I don't mind her that much, but um, and I actually kind of like the characters of Monica Rambo and Kamala Khan, but I'm not sure I can really want to sit for two and a half hours in a movie theater watching them. I like the actress who plays Kamala Khan. She's very yeah, she's charming. Cool. I like yeah. her. Yeah. I hope she finds yeah, the opportunities the... after the MCU. I hope she doesn't become like poor Kelly Marie Tran. Oh, fuck. I hate it. With the, like, they, they trashed her so hard when they blamed the fans. But, oh, God, they did punked her so hard. She deserved better. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Marie Tran is actually really good uh, outside of MCU. She uh, or uh, outside of Star Wars, uh, she did a series with uh, um, Olsen, who's Wanda Maximoff. Why am I forgetting her first name? I saw the Elizabeth chops of Dalton. good actress, but then they wrote her just horribly and just uh, put her in a freaking potato oh, yeah, sack they, costume. Yeah, last God last shot I did no favors for her at all. God, but, God. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. 
Want to um, lead to the final thoughts? Let's do this. Um, MJ, final thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy 3. It was a good epilogue to the Guardians trilogy and really for the MCU. For me, I honestly am struggling to find reasons to really give a damn about the MCU past this point. But um, I'm actually kind of looking forward to what Gunn can do with the DCU. And actually, after going back through his filmography this past week, after I watched Guardians last week, I'm kind of hoping he also reignites the Belko experiment and tries to make a sequel to that. (laughs) I still think that movie needs a sequel. That movie was a lot better than I remember it being. But it was great. Guardians was a great movie. Great way for Gunn to end up his whole MCU journey, and and we'll see what he does with DC from here. Kid Mystery, final thoughts. What can I say about Guardians of the Galaxy Part Three? But it hasn't been said. It's a good ending. It's James Gunn at his uh, at his most like invested, I think, or at least uh, uh, most conclusion oriented James Gunn movie ever. Um. There are some parts I do disagree with, like, but I don't think that I don't think a lot of those parts may be like they're mostly minor and have to do with like Marvel as a whole. But I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna give it a eight point five out of ten. Right, very, very judicious score. Um, I think uh, this is the end of an era. I think uh, James Gunn, uh, you are the consummate professional. You kept a level head. You gave closure and conclusion to your characters. Uh, you uh, showed what the MCU cosmic side could be. Uh, you got a much bigger opportunity. I hope, just like Rocket Raccoon, learned to um, go to um, uh, lead the Guardians and accept his destiny and stop being dejected. You also accept your destiny to write a good superhero, uh, Superman movie. And while the Guardians, uh, I think Marvel fatigue kind of weighed on my opinion of this movie, I think overall it was still very solid. Um, probably the best MCU movie we've seen in a while. And possibly the end and uh, of what may be the MCU as we know it for the foreseeable future. Uh, hopefully Kevin Feige can write the ship. I th- I'd use that writer str- um writer strike as a soul searching point. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think, um, not having product for a year or two, uh, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And, uh, hopefully, um, you can come back stronger and, uh, build a legacy where, uh, the next generation of kids following kids mysterious can see a universe filled with endless possibilities and not a universe that is, uh, built by white liberal guilt. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad he didn't use that uh, break during the pandemic to fi- do that same soul searching. <laughs> yeah. Um, my final thoughts. Um, this the Guardians of the Galaxy is what I've been wanting from Star Wars since Return of the Jedi. Like I, every Return of the Jedi, I didn't want to continue to go back to those heroes and then just destroy them. I I loved like the feel. Oh, like it's um, what James Gunn said about this was like he wants you to feel like how you felt with the original star Wars. And that's how I felt like um, he opened up the sky of Marvel into um, a universe that you can explore, do adventures in. And, and that's what I love. And then like you grow with the characters, you see them grow, you get to explore a great universe, great spaceships, lots of fun. And yeah, this is the end of an era. Like, like when we were walking out, my buddy Jason was like, yeah, that, that felt like the end of something that was a part of our lives. And I, I hope that, um, this this vacuum left behind by 
Joss Whedon, the Russo brothers, and now James Gunn. Like, I, I want their suffering to great, create greatness. Like, they're going to suffer. Like, I don't know who they have next to make anything for them. But um, like I was saying before, less money. Now they have to fight for it. So I hope that this pushes them to wake up and correct the ship. And I want to know what next Marvel heroes or universe that we didn't care about before. Can they turn into something great? So that's uh that's my feelings on it that uh I, I loved his trilogy i loved all, all the work and heart that you put into it and i hope that it isn't superhero fatigue that will follow him into the dc universe and that maybe he can spark something new um and the last thing i'm gonna say is that i think uh the, the thing that he has to remember when he's going to make it the new dc universe is that um the biggest hurdle dc universe had was that all they did was superhero movies and the biggest strength at the the height of marvel was that they weren't doing superhero movies they were doing movies of the era that people loved like spy movies uh star wars movies and whatnot and movies yeah. yeah genre movies and then dressing them up in superheroes so i hope he remembers this or knows this and applies that to the dc universe somehow so that we can truly see a resurgence of the DC universe and like superhero movies. So that's what I'm hoping for. I'm just wondering how deep he's going to dip into the uh, toy box of Superman's box of weirdness from like the silver age. Yeah. Comics. Cause you know, he's shown all along that he has a penchant for going for the real obscure crap in comic book lore with some of these comics. I mean, look at the suicide squad movie, for example. I mean, who even heard of like half of those characters, especially the ones that were killed right away. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's already said that uh, Crypto, the, the super dog, is going to be in the uh, Superman Legacy movie. And yep. So, yeah, to me, that's a little bit of a... That sounds like your Superman movie. I hope you're doing a sci-fi action, some genre that people want to see using Superman. I just hope he doesn't go as dark as his brothers did with Brightburn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, MJ, where can you find more of you on the internet? I am on all the socials as MJ3342. That's E-M-J-A-Y-3342. All right. Kid Mystery, where can they find you on the internet? Oh, I look at my list of links. I have like a whole like uh, doc with all your like links and stuff that I have to put in every <laughs> like, video. So I have like uh, MJ's links and uh, Isaac's links. Oh, and here, let me see. I, you can find me at Twitter at MysteryC underscore four. In the, yeah, that's about it. That's a... That's about yeah. Right on. Isaac, where can you find more more of you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at Lobster Magnet Reviews. I've got a new video talking about is Velma right-wing propaganda. It's mostly finished. Uh, hopefully, uh, once I get a thumbnail, I'll uh, put it out there for all the world to see. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm getting... Um, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm hitting, hitting the topics when it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there, dude. Uh, all right. Hopefully, people still hate Velma enough to uh, actually watch it. And the second half of the video uh, branches into a wider discussion. I'm just cool. surprised you guys made it past the first episode. But, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, wow. I got sucked down the well of the hate watch. They 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 got me. I was I, part of the my, problem. My mom almost suggested we watch it, and I I turned her away. I had to. <laughs> I had to. I'm, I would be very curious as to what your mom thinks of it. Because uh, she, she has a different opinion sometimes. I, I'm, I'm just worried. 
I'm just worried that the new season of Clone High is going to go down the Velma well. I'm getting that vibe from the Clone High trailer, but we'll see. Mm. Well, uh, we'll uh, see. Hopefully Chris Ward right. and Phil Miller, uh, you know, keep the quality up. Uh, you know, uh, they, they haven't missed. So uh, they're, they're one of the few creatives yeah. uh, who I would uh, completely trust. Unless it's Solo. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't see, we didn't get to see what they did on Solo. We didn't no, get to see what they did. But... And that Kathleen Kennedy didn't like it. Maybe it was that good, huh? Whoa! Got you, Kathleen. All right. Two guys that could have the clone of John F. Kennedy say, I'm a Kennedy. I'm not used to tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You can find me at Keith Justice on Instagram, at Keith Hayward on the Twitter. You can find uh, this podcast now, thanks to Kid Mystery, on YouTube um, at Couch Command Unlimited. So please like us and subscribe on YouTube. And you can find this podcast and more on popgeeks.com. Thank everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time. Take it easy. Geek out.